Hello fellow homebrewers, JP here, and I want to introduce to you the brand new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Series available at More Beer. More Beer sells the highest standard in homebrewing equipment, and the Brewbuilt Conicals are just that. They're made from mere polished 304 stainless steel, and they come with loads of features that you and I have been looking for. They have a full 2-inch bottom dump valve, which will eliminate your clogging issues, while the sturdy base includes four reinforced legs, just like those big pro tanks do. More Beer also carries the Brewbuilt line of options and add-ons like casters, pressure kits, and even external glycol chillers. So you can find out more about the new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Unitanks by going over to morebeer.com for detailed videos on the entire line of Brewbuilt Conicals. You can trust Brewbuilt with your next fermentation, and you can trust More Beer to find the right conical for you. Brewbuilt at morebeer.com. The Brewing Network Sunday session is brought to you by the badasses at More Beer. Visit them at morebeer.com. I want people to believe in me, and I want people to believe in me when they taste my beer. That's what it's about. You mean you laid underneath it and tried to put his tongue absolutely. up the bung? <laughs> I like to actually scoop up the yeast uh-huh. and look at it. 7 o'clock came real early that next morning. Oh, yeah, man. Thanks for dumbing that down for us. You did an awesome job. It's all about food and you beer. Punch me in the junk. Man, that thing was thick. The point is just beat it like it's your dick. I like to smell it <laughs> afterwards. Are you being sarcastic no. right now? Yeah. Bring your body armor. I ran into my jungle once on a ball valve on a kettle. That's <laughs> a true happy now, live from the Brewing Network Studios in Northern California, this is the radio program for home brewers, craft brewers, beer lovers, and beer geeks. It's your only source for live beer radio that brings expert brewers together with, well, expert drinkers. This is the radio program with a head on it. This is The Session. Well, everybody, it's that time of the month again where we have a radio show called The Session, and you're listening to it now. My name is Jason Petros, and I am your host today for the best show that we've possibly ever done. And I'm predicting that now uh, because we're going to get out of here in about 10 minutes. So the show is 10 minutes long, and it's going to be our best show of all time. Thank you very much. Now, we have uh, Dave Malarov from Flat Tail Brewing Company from Corvallis, Oregon. Oh, wait, wait. And uh, we are going to talk about distribution, franchise laws, and the death of craft beer. Some light reading. Uh, yeah, I mean, hey, man, you know how to, uh, to send over a, uh, an outline that, that packs a punch. Yes, I do. <laughs> yeah. I was hoping for a PowerPoint presentation, but I guess a Word document will will do. That comes later in the hotel. Oh, Oh, hell yeah. Uh, This awesome show, of course, is brought to you today and every day, every time you've listened, by More Beer. But did you know that MoreBeerPro.com not only exists and is a thing, but it offers bulk malt hops yeast as well as pro fermenters and bright tanks, along with 4,000 other products to breweries at wholesale pricing. If you have a brewery, set up an account and save cash with morebeerpro.com. All right. So this is not going to be that kind of show about where we talked about like beer law and all that kind of stuff. This is going to be more, I think, of a Dave uh, 
rant show? I don't know. What are we talking about? Oh, wow. Nonstop for three hours. That, that's kind of my plan. <laughs> <laughs> How did the show come about, man? I, uh, you know, just let's let's give everybody a little bit of a backstory um, to let them know that it's you know it's not going to be super boring. Yeah. So uh, hopefully, fingers crossed. About. Fingers crossed. <laughs> you guys can all just stop listening right now. Uh, <laughs> it came about because uh, a few months ago we had a distributor buyout in the state of Oregon, and we've had that happen several times before. But this one was different in that the uh, distributorship that was purchased was a 97-year-old family-owned distributor. Oh, wow. Was, uh, yeah, purchased by one of the largest distribution companies uh, on the West Coast and soon to be in the nation. So it really was kind of a major paradigm shift in, in the whole Oregon beer community and culture. <laughs> and uh, it's something that, that customers don't really know anything about. You know, when a, yeah. when, <clears throat> when the average beer consumer hears about a distributor, they think, oh, so some guy in a delivery van. <laughs> well, right. That's what it is. Yeah, exactly. And uh, there's so much more to beer dis- uh, distribution. There's so much more to the relationship between the brewer and the distributor and the consumer and the retailer and everything. And I think that plays in a lot to uh, you know a bunch of conversations we're having in craft beer right now, particularly the brewery consolidation uh, conversation. So okay. I think it's something that will kind of help inform the consumer and the customer, and hopefully you'll stay awake. Grab a coffee stout. <laughs> Uh, 6 a.m. flight uh, Yeah, good. I, I agree. And I think uh, the more informed we are, the better decisions we can then make, especially people who like uh, listen to this program and who are into not only home brewing but craft beer, independent beer, um, and who don't get fooled by you know marketing and stuff like that. Word. Right? All right. All right. Uh, Warren, how are you doing, my friend? Oh, I'm doing so good. Really? No. Oh. I mean, I'm doing the same as normal. What's wrong, buddy? You okay? You want to talk about it's it? It's like the gathering of the sad sack. <laughs> you want to talk about whatever's going on, dude? Well, no. I was just trying to sound real positive because Dave's being a downer over there. Oh. So. I'm just being. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> I'm just, I'm being, just myself. being. Yeah. Oh. Apparently Dave's sick. Oh, really? He drove. Can, he can drove. How many miles? Like 500 and something. 500 and something miles, and he's sick and has a fever, and then he wonders why he, he can't, like, you know, never make it in life. And he has to drive 500 more miles tomorrow to go back home? Yeah. That math does check out. Yeah. yeah. That seems like a responsible thing to do. Uh, I'm you, here to say that business. is accurate. That is accurate math. So so I, I ride here this great distance no. while I'm sick, and, and you guys just shit talk me for it. That, that's all <laughs> I get. To, you know, I'm showing you my love. I'm inviting you into my heart house, and this is the favor that you return to me. And you're bringing your germs all uh, the way yeah, from Corvallis. Yeah. yeah. So I should grab some Febreze. Yeah, you probably should. Take your shoes off before you come into my heart yeah, house, too, because it's, it's uh, God, what is, what is, miles, man. what is right with you? Like, what is correct? What's functioning properly in, in your body? I don't know that I have cancer. Oh. Uh, oh. I mean, that that's a positive. Okay. All right. Um, I did tumor amputated this last summer. Okay. Yeah. The doctor that told me I had ALS was wrong, so that that's good. Yeah. Oh, Wait, tell what? You guys, that fun story? No. <laughs> yeah. Huh? Uh, that yeah. was a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Last uh, summer before this one, where the leg almost got chopped off. You, your doctor told you you have ALS. Yeah. Yeah. He said I wouldn't live past thirty-five. Were you excited because then you could brew all those ALS beers and watch the money start rolling in? The ice bucket challenge finally made sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, no, oh no, this ex- one has my leg. Excited oh! wouldn't, wouldn't be the first 
uh, word that came to my mind, but well, no, but exciting. But, you get, but in my mind, I, I would imagine it's like being uh, finding out you're like an 18 Comanche, and then you can now sign up for like the Indian casinos, and you get the portion of that money, right? I don't think they give you free college for having ALS. Do you play oh, the lottery? Don't? I, I do. Hmm. You should Good stop. Call. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Hasn't added a whole lot yet. So um, you had ALS and you cured it. No, by uh, being an asshole. He was I just think, right? really, really, really wrong. Oh. oh, okay. Yeah, like a bunch wrong. <laughs> really? Mm-hmm. So did you have something else? No. Right. Uh, well, actually, it, it, I did, but they didn't find that either. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Until it mutated and burned right. out of my butthole. Yeah. T- turns out <laughs> yeah. like, I'm cripplingly low on potassium. Which okay. I found out when I was in the hospital this summer for the, the leg thing. You know who is the number one exporter of potassium? Kazakhstan. I, I did not know that. That's exciting, though. <laughs> I'm excited by that. <laughs> that starts with K. Uh, also. Borat. Uh, wow. Smart joke. Yeah. Look at you. So what do you have, eat? Like shove a bunch of bananas every butt every day or what? Yes. Exactly yeah. that. <laughs> okay. Is that because of the ALS or just... Something you no, to do. just for fun. It oh, just okay. happens to help out, too. I just I was doing it yeah. anyway. Now i got to do it twice a day instead of once a day. <laughs> and, an excuse uh, to ask him to help me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, no. Change your underwear first. I'd say I hope she's not listening to this. I know she isn't. I hope she is. I think that would be amazing. Yeah. She can she can know the real you. Uh, Warren, do we have a Twitter game? Of course we do. Well, that's good, because then I can tell you about Beer Law Center, who brings you this Twitter game. Um, normally they bring you feedback. I'll just cross do that and do that. There we go. Uh, com. John protects all the things. He helps you navigate paperwork. He does a lot of cool stuff. Check him out. com. John actually helped me, just to interject real quick, at the beginning stages of this whole clusterfuck. Oh, yeah? Uh, John was a huge help. And so, nice. He's, nice. yeah, if he's listening, thanks so much, John. Um, uh, even though he, he doesn't practice in Oregon, he was still able to just kind of give some friendly advice, non-legal, non-binding friendly advice. <laughs> uh, so if you do live in a state where he's uh, actually allowed to practice, I mean, God, this guy is just uh, a huge help. Yeah, Use well, him. well, and, and, and that's what I tell people every now and then, too, on this uh, during this uh, read, is that it doesn't have to be, it, it can just be generalities. He can still talk to you in generalities. Yeah, absolutely. And, 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 and guide you on a course. So... Check that out. Um, okay, Twitter game. Let's do that. Yes. Warren. So, um, since Dave obviously is down on his luck <laughs> a lot, and uh, combine that with me going to a Chinese restaurant over the weekend, it made me wonder, what is Dave's next fortune cookie going to uh, okay. be? Wow, what a whole... That's wholesome. That's very wholesome. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. I, You're going to be a dad. You're going to be a good dad one day. <laughs> Yeah, because yeah. I, mean, I know we could just let Dave know now so he doesn't have to eat all those carbs right? and peanuts. He looks like a man who's very concerned about carbs. <laughs> carbs, that's, that's what it weight? is. Carbs. Wow. Yeah, I wasn't going to I was gonna talk about his gut, but since you bring it up. No. I'll go find another beer podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of them out there. I know. They're probably itching to Even get a guest. This one. <laughs> uh, okay, so what is Dave's fortune cookie going to be? Yeah. Okay. Fear it, I might, like it might cheer him up a little bit. It might. With a good fortune. Yeah, hide high. all the sharp objects, though, please. <laughs> right. Just because, you know, you have ALS. That's the next one. You're like, <laughs> shit. Here we go. You, you'll survive the next disease you don't have. <laughs> Uh, let's do some feedback. Uh, feedback today is brought to you by craftbeer.com. 
dedicated to telling the stories behind America's small and independent breweries. Meet the men and women behind America's beer renaissance. Visit craftbeer.com. Okay, this is from uh, someone called AG. And he says, uh, Dearest Brewcasters, since Brewing with Style is on hiatus, I have an idea for a new show. You should pair Nicole and Kim on a show, and Scott could be the producer. You'll have to come up what? with a format, but the name of the show could be Brewing with Anthrax. Love you guys. AG stock still. I, I I don't I don't get it. I don't get it. Is it a thing, Bev? I think he was just suggesting you come up with the most annoying show possible. Oh, and, then ref- and make a reference to poison. In the name? I thought it was the band personally. Well, right, but but what do they have to do with the band? That's what. <laughs> what does it have to do with poison? I have yeah. no idea. <laughs> AG stock still sounds like the uh, like a knockoff of a JG Wentworth. If I need cash, not now, <laughs> yeah. but in ten right. minutes, I'll call AG stock still for a bail bond. <laughs> Uh, this is from Heasley. He says, Guten Tag, listening to the California Employment Law episode, the discussion about civ- civilian breathalyzers is good advice, but perhaps should come with some warnings. Number one, they are genu- generally not permissible evidence in court. So I guess if you if you get a mm-hmm. DUI, but you have your keychain breathalyzer, you can't go, well, Your Honor, I, I blew a oh, .09 yeah. or .07 or whatever the, whatever the other way you want to go. Because they're not official. Right. They require, all caps, require regular calibration to remain accurate and uh, read the instructions for proper use and what affects accurate measurements. Like if you just take a drink, I think you have to wait like, what, 20 minutes or something like that? We used to have a company breathalyzer. We got rid of it when we started doing breathalyzer races more often than we actually used it for its intended purpose. But uh, <laughs> yeah, if you, you could have one beer and be completely fine, mm-hmm. but if you had had that beer within five minutes and use the breathalyzer, yeah. you could blow like a point two. Right. So drink a glass of water before you leave the restaurant. And everyone started getting herpes. Um, if you take, uh, if you care to make such disclaimers, uh, it was said to buy a quality model. I don't, why are all these emails not making sense? <laughs> if you care to make such di- are, disclaimers, period. It was said to buy a quality model, period. Are these? Uh, I think this is spam of the week. I was going to ask: Is this coming from the spam folder? <laughs> Maybe. And that was it. it I'm sounds really... like a voice text from me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really does. Uh, I don't know. We do have a good show. In addition to Dave uh, reading his, um, going through his outline, talking about distribution and, and, and how craft beer is, in fact, dying, if not dead already, uh, we are going to revive the uh, Brewers Reading Their Own Reviews game. Oh, Fantastic. boy. Well, we really just, it's not really a game. <laughs> we just sit and laugh. Right. Um, at the reviews, which I will be, I will be honest. Mm-hmm. It was, there are some good ones. It was actually challenging to find beers where people just totally racked them on you and totally just you, you shit everywhere. You didn't look that hard. I don't know. I, <laughs> I, I, I tried, but it was also hard to find current reviews. A lot of them were like 15 and to like 2015, 16. Yeah. We're not the cool kids. Hmm. You know? even, even on untapped. That's the app that everyone's using now. Yeah, there's tons on untapped. My favorite is the recurring best Kolsch ever one star. We get, we get <laughs> I didn't see constantly. That. Oh yeah. Best I didn't Kolsch see anything ever. like that. I fucking hate Kolsch. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this beer is perfect. Four mm-hmm. out of five. 
That's, yeah. not, that's not a perfect rating. That's right. Beer's perfect. Well, and you know, and and again, that's you know part of the game is because oh, right. ratings are uh, are stupid. I did see one, and it was very visual. But now I'll explain it, and it's even stupider. It was a, a photo of a beer. I forget which which of your beers it was, but it had you know I don't know an inch foam on or whatever. Uh, the only comment was that it tasted flat. Yep. <laughs> and there's a photo of the yeah, fucking that beer. Uh, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm like, huh. Yeah. Well, was that a joke at the name of the brewery? No, it was like a two-star. Uh, oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, huh. We had a, a bar owner actually down here in the Bay Area call us, and he's like, yeah, uh, your beer's flat. I'm like, oh, okay. I'm like, well, does it raise a head? He's like, yeah, yeah, it's like an inch, inch and a half. <laughs> like, I don't, maybe, that, maybe that, I don't understand. Oh, shit. <laughs> I'm just no, kidding. He can't hear. No, no. I thought you actually knew who was. Oh, was no. about that one. <laughs> I don't know many bar owners. Yeah. Well, that's probably for the best. I, I got a I review that uh, was, I forget what beer it was even for, but the picture was of fried chicken, and the comment was, <laughs> fried chicken, exclamation point. And it was like a two and a half stars or three stars. <laughs> On untap, beer ratings are stupid, yeah. folks. That's the that's the point of this stupid segment. <laughs> but I also just want to want to make uh, Dave's you know butthole pucker a little bit because I think it's funny. Oh yeah, don't you agree? I'm already puckered. <laughs> he's just a walking in the he's room. He's a perma pucker. He's prepped for it. Perfect. I can't wait for defense that. mechanism. <laughs> well, we'll do that after your great segment. Um, I appreciate you uh, putting that together. Okay, let's take a quick break. I suppose. And uh, we'll be back with Dave from Flat Tail Brewing Company talking about distribution, franchise laws, and the death of craft beer. It's the session. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. Are you a member of the White Labs Customer Club? If not, you should be. It's the easiest way to earn free stuff for turning in your old homebrew labels from either vials or pure pitch. All you have to do is save your labels and redeem them for things like free yeast, an exclusive White Labs t-shirt or sweatshirt, and even the opportunity to brew with the yeast man himself, Chris White. Signing up is easy. Just go to whitelabs.com slash customer club, fill out the registration form, and then mail in your labels. They will return the favor by sending you awesome White Labs swag. Go sign up today at whitelabs.com slash customer club. White Labs, pure yeast and fermentation since 1995. The 21st Amendment. Watch out! Do you like beer? They make beer. Watch out! Do you like friends and fun? They make friends and fun. Watch out! Do you still like to have a good time? The 21st Amendment. Watch out! The 21st Amendment in San Francisco, located at 563 2nd Street, two blocks from the building where baseball is seen and played. Try their beers in the pub or try them in the can. Featuring... Monk's Blood. Made with real monk. Watch out! So why not have the best time of your life? Go to the 21A and Sean O'Sullivan will personally greet you with a can of... Monk's Blood. The 21st Amendment. Watch out! This advertisement is not in any way affiliated nor associated with the 21st Amendment Bar and Pub, nor its subsidiaries or affiliates. This telecast is not copywritten by the 21st Amendment for the private use of the Brewing Network. Any use of this telecast without Jamil Zanishev's consent is prohibited. Suck it, JP. (laughs) 
Brewing Great Beer is a process of continuous learning, and the best books on every aspect of brewing can be found at Brewers Publications, with more than 50 awesome titles like Modern Homebrew Recipes by Gordon Strong, Designing Great Beers, The Ultimate Guide to Brewing Classic Beer Styles by Ray Daniels, American Sour Beers, Innovative Techniques for Mixed Fermentations by Michael Tonsmeyer, For the Love of Hops, The Practical Guide to Aroma, Bitterness, and the Culture Culture of Hops by Stan Hieronymus and Radical Brewing Recipes, Tales, and World Altering Meditations in a Glass by Randy Mosher, plus many, many more. These are the books and the authors with the knowledge to push your brewing farther than you thought possible. And you'll find them all at fine homebrew and book retailers everywhere. And visit the website at BrewersPublications.com. Brewers Publications, all the best on beer and brewing. Marin Brewing Company in Northern California has been making award-winning beers for more than 25 freaking years. Today, I want to tell you about their new 12-ounce cans of Mount Tam Pale Ale. The good stuff, Mount Tam is bright gold, 5.5% ABV to keep you feeling good, and has been winning awards since 1989. If you're visiting the Bay Area, get your butt out to Marin Brewing Company. They pour tasty beers and serve great food every day until midnight. Come in for a tour, stay for the food, and pick up a six-pack of cans of Mount Tam Pale Ale to enjoy at home, camping, biking, or whatever the hell you do. Owner Brandon Moylan has this to say about Marin Brewing Beers. It's freaking awesome. Marin Brewing has won more than 100 gold medals in international competitions. Check out MarinBrewing.com for all their award-winning beers, food, and merch. Marin Brewing Company in Larksburg, California. Award-winning taste, refreshing finish. It's freaking awesome. Everybody, thanks for hanging out with us through the break. Before we get to Dave, we do want to tell you guys about the Suds Duds Society, which is a brewery t-shirt membership where members receive a t-shirt, a promo item, and a homebrew recipe from a different brewery each month, which to me is the cool part about this entire thing. A homebrew recipe from a different brewery. That's rad. Uh, small independent breweries throughout the U.S. will be chosen for excellence in the craft, so probably not getting one from Flattail. A portion of each membership will go to the highlighted brewery and to sponsor a local homebrew club in their area. Join the society by going to sudsdudssociety.com and use promo code BNARMY at checkout to receive your discount. Support small beer one tea at a time. I think every library is just going to have some knock against Flattail right now. I do like Flattail shirts, though, because I haven't seen a black one. He always has colors, which is nice. That's for a true. I, I like them because I can use them to clean my concrete uh, garage after brewing. Oh, yeah. They, they do hold Simple Green and other cleaning chemicals they very really, well. Very, very well, yeah. I find the neon bright colors really reflect my mood. <laughs> you're, you're karmically uh, banking, I don't know, whatever. Uh, Dave, how's it going, dude? Before we get into this whole thing, this whole melodrama, mm-hmm. um, what's the latest at Flattail? How's it going up there? You know, it, it's going pretty good, actually. Uh, after this whole thing kind of played out, uh, we're back to self-distribution, our biggest territory, and frankly, it couldn't be going better. 
uh, the support from the community, from all the bars we've been working with forever, has been fucking incredible. I mean, really? Uh, yeah, our, our draft numbers are through the roof. Because you went to you yourself distributing again. Yeah, okay. and I mean it's it's the same sales guy that everyone's known. He's been there with the distributor, so it's a familiar face. But you know now I'm able instead of paying thirty percent to a distributor and then paying him jack shit, right. now I can actually pay him a good wage. Nice. And you know he's driven to sell more. He's happier and everyone else sees that and you know we're we're one of the few breweries left in oregon that uh has been around for a while and is self-distributing so you know it's just i think it's refreshing to the bar owner too well that's cool i like uh, i definitely like more money being poured into employees that help you achieve success yeah, and i, I might cool. like be able to pay myself sometime soon <laughs> over the rainbow maybe i'm pretty excited yeah. about just the potential yeah. we'll, we'll see man that'll yeah. be hey that would be very cool if you did that for yourself mm-hmm. i would give you a good thumbs up maybe one day we'll ship you that invoice we have written up for you too good good yeah. the checks in the mail <laughs> okay good yeah. i can't wait um i did see on your instagram account which is terrible by the way um that you're doing something called a same day ipa we are indeed and it made me want to throw up after I wiped uh-huh. it. Thank God uh, droid phones are waterproof because I puked all over it. And I could wipe it off and then continue scrolling and looking yeah, at Maybe you'll finally lose a few pounds. Thank you. <laughs> I'll try. Um, no, but what, what's the same day IPA? What are you doing? How, how do, do people still care that much about so, IPA that you, you know, have to have a gimmick over it? Or it's, what? Uh, it's not a gimmick, JP. It's not? Thank, Speaking no, of gimmicks, totally. I want to circle uh, back to this conversation. Hmm. So, you know, circle back to your face, Bev. I don't need your sass. Wow. Oh, wow. wow. So, the, the Did he just call you fat? I love you guys. Probably. <laughs> just because it's the shape? Come on, man. Don't be shapesist. Um, <clears throat> what are we talking about? IPA. Same IPA. IPA. Yeah. yeah so Let's go. I, I, I figured out, you know, a few months ago, uh, we, we got second place. In a uh, blind IPA competition throughout mm-hmm. the state. Yeah. And it had all the big guys, you know, Block 15, Sticky Hands, and uh, Pallet Jack, and uh, Boneyard RPM. And we got second by 12 out of like 1,000 votes. And that second place victory has done more for our business than every GABF and World Beer Cup medal I have ever won combined times about 20. Just some bar? Huh. Is it like a, a well-known bar? Yeah, yeah. It's a bar that's been around forever, Hawthorne Hop House. Uh, they okay. always have a great tap list, and they do IPA month in January, so don't come to Oregon January. <laughs> okay, uh, good. And the way they do it is they have 12 IPAs, okay. and you get a sampler full of 12 IPAs. It sounds you know, terrible. Yeah, Why know, would you do that? Well, yeah. you know, and then you get to pour them down the drain. <laughs> it's like uh, hipster S&M, mm-hmm. I think. Okay. Uh, so you know which breweries and beers are on the plate, but you don't know which ones are which. Sure. Oh, I yeah. get that. Okay. So you try to identify them, and then you vote for your favorite. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the hilarious thing to us was that out of just under 1,000 votes, go ahead. Guess how many people picked out the flat tail beer as a flat tail beer? Oh, I would guess no. I would guess none. I would oh, guess nobody. Um, nine. Nine people. <laughs> nine out of 12,000? Yeah. Statistically, yeah, I'm tw- pre- that's no, pretty no, much none. No, just under 1,000. Yeah, that's but, a rounding you know, error. Math is hard. <laughs> yeah, all um, right. Yeah, so what was uh, it, about the P-value? 1%. <laughs> Okay. And uh, uh, we actually got like 75% of the votes for a few breweries. 
Uh, so people would, you know, say, oh, I, this is my favorite IPA from these guys. And they'd actually be voting for us 75% of the time, just thinking <laughs> it as that same other brew. So when you're voting, it's not just which one do you like best, but right. who, who, who do, do you, you think, think it brewed it? Yeah. And oh, then you got, like, wow. T-shirts and swag if you could, you know, get all 12 right. Okay. So, I mean, we had literally between 100 and 150 people walk in the door in the next three days, specifically asking for the beer that beat so-and-so IPA. Were they, were, did they walk in and look around like it was the first, like, wow. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Pretty I much. never knew this uh-huh. was here. All of our untapped and beer advocate ratings for Pulp Action skyrocketed instantly. Right. Um, <laughs> Even though the beer didn't change. Right. Yeah. It all of a sudden um, got better. Actually, fun fact, the batch that won was probably the worst batch we've ever made because they told us about the competition like 12 days before the competition. Okay. So it was kegged warm shake carved and then driven up to the carbonation or to the uh, ta- uh, tap room <laughs> in my wife's Toyota Corolla the day the competition started. Oh. That's fresh. Yeah, it, it was fresh. <laughs> it was quite warm. the fresh that we, we usually like to go for. But. Oh, can you imagine if, I don't know, if, if you were, would you, would you ever keg a, a, an IPA warm for a competition? Uh, I don't know about that. That yeah. seems a little too fresh. I know you'd you'd sleep at the brewery. Oh we yeah, were, <laughs> we were laughing about how we had like zero fucking chance at yeah. coming anywhere near the top in that competition. Who and then who won? Breakside with their Wanderlust. Oh, I should I should go check that out. That sounds like a really good beer. That it, is it is a great beer. That's, that's I mean my that's, favorite IPA that they make. That's, the Wanderlust. That's the beer that beat Flattail. Uh-huh. So that's pretty good. From, from my favorite brewery. <laughs> The, the funny thing to me Never heard was of it. I have no idea. our pulp action and Breakside's Wanderlust are like the least bitter, least hoppy beers on that entire list. That's oh, what yeah. people want, homie. Yeah. That's what yeah. they don't, people they, don't like IPAs. They're just doing exactly. it for the for the gimmick. Well, it's my theory. They think that that's what craft is. And if you don't like IPAs, then you're not a real indie beer drinker or whatever. Right. But, you know, they think they want rip your face off diesel and grapefruit. And actually, they want something subtle and rounded and balanced. And I think that's why the NEIPA has become so popular, because that's the closest thing they can get to subtle and rounded with an IPA. They don't realize that you can make clear, adequately, you know, aged beer that has that softness and roundness and balance. Right. People are dumb. No, I'm kidding. Um, So same day IPA. Yeah. So uh, it's really confusing. I know the name, just you have no idea what it is. So we we keg the beer Mm -hmm. the same day that we deliver it. Uh, And it's an IPA. Innovative. Uh-huh. So it's the same thing you did for that competition. Yeah, except this one is actually, you know, like cold and carbonated. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, so the idea is, you know, people that aren't in Corvallis can't taste our IPAs and, you know, a lot of beers, but IPAs, Dodge honestly. Dodge a bullet on that one. Uh, yeah, I know. Yeah. This is just going to go the whole episode, isn't yes. it? Yes. Uh, I don't like, have an I like opportunity. You, an opportunity to uh-huh. taste our delicious, magnificent, hoppy beer the same day it's kegged. Um, and I don't like sleeping, so I figured, why not get (laughs) up at 4 o'clock in the morning? No, sleep is good for you. (laughs) Why would you do that? If Uh, you're not getting paid, you might as well work more hours. (laughs) Right. See, this guy gets uh, it works. Yeah. So I get up first thing in the morning, I keg the whole batch, and then I split deliveries with my sales guy, and we get the beer to the account. The deal is we're willing to do that for the account if the account is willing to tap it within 24 hours. Mm-hmm. Okay. And we were kind of expecting people to be tapping them right at the last minute, but it became this like shootout to see who could tap it faster. Really? Oh. So we had probably half of the accounts that got it. Literally, like we rolled it into the cooler and put the tap on and they were boring it. 
Jeez. So there were bars in Portland an hour and a half north of us tapping three-hour-old IPA. Do you think that could have happened had you not won that IPA contest or came in second in that IPA contest? Let's be absolutely clear about that. Yeah. Uh, not as easily. <laughs> Um, no, I you mean, see what I'm saying? We, yeah, now you can make demands. Yeah, yeah, people know us as the sour beer guys and, you know, the Kolsch guys and the put crazy fucking shit in the beer guys. Okay. Um, yeah. And that's all great, and we have a lot of diehard fans because of that, but it doesn't sell barrels. Right. IPA sells <laughs> barrels. And there's always been this perception that, like, well, they're great at sour beer, so obviously they don't make IPA. Mm-hmm. I mean, the number one comment is, like, holy shit, Flat Tail makes IPA? Huh. And uh, so just not winning that competition <laughs> really did open a huge door to us. So, you know, my first move was, okay, I'm going to go back to the drawing board, literally, and just rebrew all of the IPAs that I've been brewing for seven fucking years. <laughs> and people are just drinking them ten times as fast now. Really? Yeah. I mean, no, we're not doing anything crazy and new with the IPAs that we've released in the past few months. People just... Uh, don't automatically assume they're going to suck, <laughs> which mean, is a big help. Honestly, it's about time you had some form of some kind of success. Don't right? worry, I'm still buried in debt. So, oh, well, good, yeah. good to hear it. <laughs> Charlie Brown kicks the ball every now and then. I did have a question <laughs> about a conversation you and I had. You mean where you sent me Target coupons on Instagram? Okay, that happened. My phone did that of its own accord. Mm-hmm. I don't know how that happened. Uh, I was not awake. She's sleep couponing. <laughs> <laughs> Sam. <laughs> Honestly, I probably was messing with my phone and half asleep. Probably. Anyway, and uh, you told me that you were making a glitter beer. Did that happen? I made a glitter beer. <laughs> what? Yeah, speaking of craft being dead. Yeah. yeah. So here's the thing. You like, made a glitter beer. When, when right, you, our collab is dead. When you and I'm, I'm sorry to throw you under this life, giant bus. Yeah, you're dead to me. This giant sparkling bus. I do love you. It is a fabulous bus to be thrown under. Uh, <laughs> uh, t- two points on yeah. the glitter beer. <laughs> Just And I know they won't matter, but I'm going to say them anyway. Number one, I really want to make money. It's two more than Um, you need. Okay. Yeah. Is is glitter beer that big of a trend that you need to jump on? What you want me to do, hand me that check, and baby, it is done. Um, Other than sell out to AB. They can suck it. Uh, Someone paid you to make a glitter beer? Yeah. Yeah. It was for the uh, queer prom in town. I don't okay. I don't I don't know I don't want to laugh and offend anybody, but I don't know if you're kidding or not. He does not know I, how to I respond in broken. Uh, no, there's an awesome little bar right next door to us. We do a couple custom beers for them, and they do a uh, queer night once a month. Okay. And they did a queer prom, which I assume is prom dresses. And sure. that okay. you go to prom in. Right. Uh, so we made a beer called My Little Brony. <laughs> okay, so it was there. Was, it was there was a point behind it. Yes, it wasn't just hey, you know what's popular. No, there wasn't a glitter beer competition at a at a bar in Seattle. No, yeah, I'll yeah, win the shit out of that one too. You, you were commissioned, essentially. Indeed, yeah. indeed, I was. Okay, and the only other thing I'll say is I, I'm less offended by glitter beer than I am by 
starch in IPA. They're the same because, thing, though. Yeah, but they're not because mm. the starch uh, is supposed to have a point in the brewing process. You know, it's argued that like this is an ingredient that does something good. Glitter is fucking glitter. You right. cannot argue that glitter improves the beer. It's just for fun. And if but we it does improve poster boards and strippers' boobs. And so it's, it's debatable. It's the herpes of the arts and crafts world. <laughs> well, true. Um, and the edible glitter does also get everywhere. Uh, just so unlike you know. unedible glitter, which yeah. <laughs> also, I don't know if you're familiar with that word, but it was in the sentence. Dick. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, at least yeah. there was a point, and it sounds like it was for a good thing. So, I, I our yeah, collaboration's so back, back on. All yeah. right, good. Well, I'm canceling. It. <laughs> is there going is there, is there to be glitter in your collaboration beer? There is now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe we can do that. No. I think we'd have okay. to individually glitter each bottle. A, a, oh, a glitter yeah. sour beer. How's you, that ever been done? See, now, now I'm interested <laughs> in doing one. <laughs> that could be your new show. Mm, it could be. Okay, let's get to this, uh, let's get to this uh, distribution franchise laws and death of craft beer. Which, by the way... Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a great title. This outline that you sent, did you pick this font on purpose? Wait, where is it? That is a flat tail font, kind of. I'm pretty sure I legally paid for that. <laughs> is it really? Because it looks it looks like uh, here. Look at that, Warren. It, it, it's it's like uh, you know. There's there's um, what it's it's like an outline letters. Of, of letters, and then it's like sketched Words. in, like it's hand sketched. Right. Yeah, like it looks more at home on a on a fucking uh, menu selling it's artisan a, hamburgers. Artisan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay. I would buy bread if it was written in this font. Good. Yeah. I have some bread for you. <laughs> <laughs> looks like a set list from a Mumford and Son cover band. It's glitter week. So I hope that's okay. Hmm. Uh, okay, sorry. I just wanted to give you shit about the font choice. <laughs> that was really substantive. Right. The listeners got a lot out of that. Uh, right. Hey, that's what that's what they do. That's why he described the font. That's right. Because it's the radio. Yeah. Warren can't even see it. So it's really <laughs> well, a two-person argument here. That's true. But, but I looked at I looked at it in a general direction just so Jason felt better. Thank Did you. you? Yeah. yeah. Look, it, it looks like the font that should be on a Pinterest page for 12 DIY man cave hacks, okay? Uh, none of that made any sense <sighs> to me. <laughs> Bev got it, though. She's laughing. So thank you very much. These okay. millennials. Here we go, Dave. Let's go. A brief history of distribution in the U.S. Let's go. Yeah, so, you know, a little little bit of background info. <clears throat> I'm going to come back in 15 minutes. Uh, what is a distributor? Why do distributors exist? I've uh, no joke. I've, I wonder this all the time. It seems like just they're a way to steal money from both sides. Sure, and and that's kind of true a lot of the time. Uh, <laughs> but there, there was actually a non-biased answer. <laughs> You're right. Absolutely. Um, you know, we're going to be talking about this for the most part as it pertains to smaller craft breweries. You know, if you're if you're doing 50,000 barrels a year and you don't have a distributor, that's pretty goddamn impressive. And I don't believe that actually exists anywhere. So at, at no point am I trying to say that there are, there is no purpose to have a beer distributor. Um, that said, uh, there are things that I think consumers should know about those distributors. So to start out uh, way back in the good old days, pre-prohibition. There were things called brewery tide houses. I think you guys have talked about this on the show mm-hmm. before. Yeah, years ago. But, you know, there were Bud bars that only served Bud. There were Schlitz bars that only served Schlitz. And that was how the majority of beer was sold back in the 1800s, early 1900s. Mm-hmm. You had Budweiser-owned Bud bars, and that was all they could serve. Now, you also had independently-owned bars, but those bars either 
were bud houses still or schlitz house etc or they basically were pushed out of existence because there were unfair practices going on uh you'd have budweiser for example come up and say listen we're going to furnish all of your chairs we're going to furnish your uh draft system we're going to furnish everything but in exchange you can only serve our product so there was this really unfair connection between big brewers and bar owners so if some guy wanted to come up and start a bar and not serve Schlitz or Bud or Coors, it was really difficult to do because that meant he had to finance everything on his own while the other local bars didn't. Uh, They could have free beer days like Budweiser is still doing in China right now with craft beer uh, where they literally just gave beer away in order to try and put local guys out of business. Wow. Um, All kinds of really, really nasty uh, practices. So enter the three-tier system. This was something that was enacted uh, to try to get away from that. And basically, it, it was also uh, done to increase tax revenue post-prohibition. And um, they introduced a middleman. So uh, the thought was, if we have a middleman who is required to sell the beer for the brewer, and we require that middleman to be unbiased, then the competition is going to be evened out instantly. Okay. So the brewery sells the beer to the distributor. The distributor warehouses it. They ship it. They have sales staff. They keep shelves stocked. They keep bars stocked. To keep the brewery out of Absolutely. the process in general. Yeah. So the idea okay. was to keep the brewery uh, making beer. Right. And they also figured that that would drive prices up, which would lead to temperance. You know, people would drink less because beer would be more expensive because now we had someone else to pay. So there was originally a reason that uh, these laws and these distributors were, you know, introduced. Uh, the problem is the beer scene has changed a lot. Okay. And, you know, we don't have Tide Houses anymore. We haven't in ages. We have thousands and thousands of individually owned brew pubs, uh, nanobreweries, regional breweries. I mean, th- there are so many different formats for being an independent brewery these days. Uh, it just doesn't in any way resemble what it used to be. So that kind of brings us to... Why would you have a distributor then? Right. So there are a lot of reasons, and some of them are good, some of them are bad. Uh, You know, people think, okay, I can't sell enough beer. So if I have a distributor, that means I have 30 sales guys instantly because they yeah <laughs> well that, that i mean yes that's that's what i think mm-hmm. as well because just from from the the small amount of beer buying i did but i used to like work at more beer and whatever you, you know there's a salesperson that would come in every week and yeah. here's the book and you want you know but and that was great in theory but i never really got there was never really i think the the wider the portfolio the less time that person's going to sit here and go, yeah, well, here, right. read them all. Here's a pamphlet. Exactly. I don't want to read right. them to you. You tell me what you want. And when you have 50 distributors and each one of them has five brands in their book, that's not so bad. Because now when you get that book, you say, okay, well, I know this distributor works with Flattail, Block 15, Sky High, Mazama, and Two Towns. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, he's going to be motivated to sell those five brands because they're the only five brands he has. But when you have five distributors and each one has 500 brands in their book you can imagine people are going to start getting lost is that what it is it are you exaggerating like 500 uh, I'm exaggerating brands? with 500 yeah i'm not exaggerating with 100 plus really yeah, yeah. Ab- absolutely uh, how? And that's an organ yeah jeez yeah. how as a distributor do you do you think that you can justify being a required part of 
of the craft beer industry, right? Like, how how are you going, oh, well, I'm servicing the craft beer industry by promoting craft beer. Well, you're not. I mean, you can can barely keep up with the new SKUs that are coming in. Well, they don't don't have to promote craft beer. They just have to promote the top five earners in their book. Oh. I mean, think about it this way. When you have Modelo, when you have Constellation brands, you know, that means you've got Modelo, Pacifico, Ballast Point. Right. Uh, Those three brands will make more than every brewery in Corvallis and Eugene combined will in a year in a week. I mean, you sell so much more of those products that the smaller craft breweries just end up kind of being an afterthought. It's something so that when a bar says, oh, hey, do you have that little guy? They can say, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's towards the end there. (laughs) It's somewhere in here. So you as the brewery, even though you have a distributor, you still have to do advertising, get the word out, and do, do, do the marketing that I would imagine a distributor would be doing. You would imagine incorrectly. Um, and it used to be a little bit different, and that was that was one of the reasons why we originally signed with uh, our former distributor, uh, GDI, mm-hmm. because they were a family-owned company, and they hand-sold product. We worked hard to build a relationship with them so that they would, in turn, build relationships with accounts. Now, I still had a full-time sales guy in the market dropping by accounts. Uh, making sure everyone was happy, making sure beer got there on time, telling people about new products, et cetera. But uh, GDI did a lot of hand selling in the early days. Um, Absolutely. And that was the difference for us between the small guys and the big guys. The problem is there, there aren't any small guys left that are in that kind of middle size. You know, we have a couple sort of, I guess you could call them kind of nano distributors. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't work with grocery accounts. They generally don't work with chain stores or at least large chain stores. Uh, but you know they're still they're still a distributor, but much smaller warehousing, much smaller reach, much smaller sales, like staff. bars and liquor stores and stuff yeah, like that. Bottle shops. Okay. Kind of mm-hmm. Yep. So you know breweries, uh, I don't want to say get suckered into signing with a distributor, but they get suckered into signing with a distributor <laughs> because it sounds so attractive. This low upfront cost, instantly reaching new markets, increasing growth sales. You know they don't have cash on hand for fleet vehicles or hiring new staff, so they say I'm just going to sign with this distributor and then i don't have to worry about managing a sales staff um and everything's going to be great just brew four ipas and you should be able to make that money right isn't that how the market works yeah exactly (laughs) and you know now i have access to all these chain stores and safeways and everything um and that that used to be a lot more common five or ten years ago Mm -hmm. prior to there being a million fucking breweries in portland and the rest of the world uh, Are you but, exaggerating? Is it a million no, now? It's two million. Oh, okay, two point seven. <laughs> Very conservative. Yeah. Repeating yeah. million. Um, and and this is where we get into the really kind of scary, meaty part of this issue, which is franchise laws. Franchise laws are the laws that govern the way breweries interact with distributors. They're different uh, in different states. Californias and Oregon's are, are very very similar, and uh, you know. <laughs> they have a lot of clauses, a lot of things that, that just don't make any sense, and they're very predatory towards breweries. And I think the, the best way to describe that is kind of to tell our story with distribution and how we first learned you know, that these laws even existed. Right. Um, Sounds like we need Chris Hansen to help you out. <laughs> He'd be a better host than you. <laughs> um, no joke. No, I've already met him a couple times. We need to go back there. <laughs> Uh, so we we were this tiny brewery, and at, at that point, you know, I, I actually didn't own any percentage of the of the business. I was just the guy making beer. Yeah, the and good old days. The, oh, you have no idea, man. <laughs> Maga, no idea. right? Am I right? Make breweries great again. Yeah, Mubga. Mubga. 
Uh, and, you know, the owner comes up and he says, hey, let's, we're going to sign with the distributor. They're going to pick up the beer. All you have to do is brew. Our jobs just got a lot easier. And I'm thinking, great. So it wasn't great. And we didn't sell a bunch of beer. We actually sold less beer. And our, our percentages shifted way more towards package, much further away from draft. And it just became hard to manage. So we said one day, hey, listen, guys, this isn't working out. Mm-hmm. We're going to go back to self-distribution. And uh, our distributor at the time said, cool, that'll be $75,000. So far, I don't, I don't see the problem. <laughs> yeah. Right. That sounds like a screaming deal. Right. <laughs> that, that's what I said. Um, at that point, I believe the brewery was grossing like $150,000 a year. Okay. Grossing. Um, so, you know, we're like, what the fuck do you mean you want $75,000? I, I want $75,000, too. <laughs> right. We're just shouting things that sound awesome. Yes. Um, so at that point, he says, why don't you go ask your lawyer about franchise loss? <laughs> why don't you go oh, ask no. your lawyer? Yep. Uh-huh. Okay. Which is always a really friendly way to start a conversation. Uh, especially yeah. to end one. And it always ends well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. uh-huh. Everyone's smiling at the end. Yeah. Right. So we did that, and our lawyer basically says, uh, yeah, so apparently there are these things called beer franchise laws. And the distributor doesn't have to tell you they exist, but they do, and they govern everything you do once you sign with a distributor. Starting with, as soon as a distributor in Oregon or Uh California drops a single unit of your product off at any account anywhere, they own your brand rights in that county. So if someone drops a case of flat tail beer off in portland and we told them that they could distribute our beer they now own the rights to my brand in the entire multnomah county okay and what that means is if i want to get it back i have to pay them so even if their market isn't necessarily the entire county Mm -hmm. like let's say it's just it's just portland maybe they just do portland and whatever they sell one case in portland they own me in tigard beaverton gresham oregon city everywhere even if they have no plans of distributing in gresham correct Wow. That's great for them. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> it, it gets better. That's like it's like it's like built-in. <laughs> it's like it's like buying pants three sizes too big. Right. You can you just you're gonna grow into it. If yeah. we decide to expand the distribution network, well, hey, we have all these brands we can immediately sell, and nobody else can sell them. Yeah. Hey, Dave, I've got a few places that I could sell some cases of your beer here, here in California. That might be hard. <laughs> <huh>? <laughs> Awkward silence. Uh, yeah, so uh, the next thing was, okay, so where are you getting the $75,000 number from? Because that's right. just fucking ridiculous. Um, and it is. So the way they decide, <laughs> okay. the way they decide how much you owe the distributor mm-hmm. is that they take first your trailing 12. What that is, is it's how much money they've made selling your product for the past trailing 12 months. Okay. Mm -hmm. It gets better. Then they pick a number, and that number used to be anything between 1 and 6. It is now anything between 1 and 12. Oh. Um, That number is called your multiplier. Sure. And it's based on your perceived brand velocity. Oh, how well you're doing in the market. No, no how no. well they think it's you're going to be well doing. how well you're doing in the market and how well they think your potential to do right. better how much, in the market. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Right. So, how much uh, steam you got behind yeah. your ass. Yeah. So if our yeah. trailing 12 is 10000 they can say, well, you guys are really hot shit right now. We want $120,000 for your brand. Mm-hmm. And obviously, it doesn't take much for that number to snowball. Sure. You get a little bit bigger. And, I mean, a brewery selling 1,500 barrels a year, 
that number could be 150 to 200,000. Right. So a brewery that's grossing less than half a mil could be asked for over a million dollars for the right to sell their own product in that territory. And the only way to get out of that other than paying the money is a severe breach of contract that almost never happens. What do you mean? So, for example, you find out the distributor has been storing your beer outside on their front porch in the hot sun. Uh Uh-huh. That's not the breach of contract. Really? No. You have to tell them, hey, you can't store my beer outside in the hot sun. It's in my contract. Then they have 30 days to stop storing your beer outside in the hot sun. And if they do that, they are no longer in breach of contract. Okay, well, to me, that makes some small smattering of, of sense. Because they don't want the, they don't want contracts to just explode, and it's like okay, so sure. you know, hey, we're not mm-hmm. you're in breach of contract, but you can at least fix it. I feel like everybody should be given an opportunity to fix their mistakes. Yes, right? they they also have unlimited opportunities. However, right. if they do that again in six months, Same then thing. they get there's no penalty. Days. There's no if, you, you can't go to some board <laughs> I don't know, uh, yeah. and go like, hey, they've done this four times, and I've had to tell them four times, and they keep doing it, and I want out of my you contract. Might eventually get out with that but the odds are pretty low um even written contracts are uh, 100 superseded by oregon franchise law so if you have a signed statement saying uh you know you don't get the 30 days if you fuck up we get to cancel this contract instantly doesn't matter i think it's the same with california right Mm -hmm. written contracts you can't supersede state law law. yeah yeah Yeah, the, the problem is the interpretation of the law is so bizarre uh, that it always sides with the distributor. A, a great example is um, a local distributor, the name of which I will not mention, um, and Warren another Billups distributing local brewery Demon. had a signed contract saying that if said brewery left said distributor, yeah. they would pay them a flat, I think it was 2.5 mil. The brewery would? Yes. Okay. So the brewery decides to leave. They write these guys a check for 2.5 mil. They say, nope, we want five. So the brewery takes them to court and says, we have a contract signed by both owners. Yeah. Of both companies. You know, we, we gave them the 2.5. This is done, right? And they said, well, we're interpreting Oregon franchise laws to say that that was not a fair market agreement and that you have to provide them whatever payment they demand. And they ended up losing the deal or losing the court case, paying $5 million plus damages plus lawyer fees. Plus damages. What are the damages on top of lawyer fees? Uh, those numbers were not divulged. No, but I mean, what what would the source of the damages be? I imagine that would be time spent in court. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So <laughs> that makes no that makes no sense. How is a court going to decide an agreement between two people? is not fair when they both agreed upon it. They well, shouldn't... Th- sure. And it, and it just throws contract negotiations into this, you know, why do we even have a contract? Right. right. Because, you should just, just bring the, the state mm-hmm. law book thing, whatever, all the paperwork about the state and say, here you go. Well, this what, is our contract. That's what most people do. And okay. then, you know, they'll try to throw in other clauses. For example, there were a couple of breweries in uh, GDI's portfolio that had agreements that said... Uh, if uh, you get bought out, we get released. And the clause that pertains to that in Oregon franchise laws basically says that a brewery can't withhold consent uh, to transfer of rights between one distributor to another without good reason. 
So their good reason was we're going from a tiny family-owned distributor to a giant behemoth that will never be able to possibly support us. Wasn't a good reason. So, so, so they they can withhold your right to tra- to 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 break contract because of the transfer. Yeah. If they provide a good reason. No, they, no. Don't, they don't have to provide any reason. Okay. So basically, Brewery says, we don't want to be in the new distributor's book that just bought the old distributor. Right. And they say, too bad. You're now distributed by these new guys. Did they give an example of what a good reason would be? Or they just say, no, those aren't good reasons? I, I like who, who defines the good reason? The distributor. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, okay. Or, or the it's judge, it or makes the judge that's hearing, yeah. hearing and, the case. Uh, to my knowledge, I, I don't believe a brewery has ever won a case like that. <laughs> They've all had shitty reasons. The, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm trying to wrap my head around this because I, yeah. I, I, I find it very hard to believe that, that there are laws like this. Which I know makes Absolutely. me stupid, but and in, 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 you know, uh, ignorant and innocent or whatever. But uh, I, I don't understand how if, if if your company gets bought out, that you automatically have control over everybody. Yeah, well, it's like you go to the car lot and everybody you, else. you buy a Prius, and then three weeks later, the dealer comes by and swaps it out for a Humvee. Yeah, he's like, no, it's bigger. So you like it? You complain? like it? It's bigger. Yeah, no, this is your car now. Yeah. Well, the, the the point is because the the distributors got those laws written because that protects the value of what they're selling. So the smaller distributor that's selling to the larger one, it overinflates the value of what they're selling. Yeah, well, no, no, but the the smaller distributor, the value they contribute is their portfolio. If they sell to a larger distributor and all of their breweries leave, the larger distributor just paid a lot of money for nothing. Yeah, they're, they're and so and so. There has to be some security there for that acquisition. Otherwise, there's no reason for the the small distributor to actually be worth anything. Well, but you would think that the that the 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 proof of I don't know concept or value or whatever would be in the service that they can provide over the smaller distributor or the the smaller distributor's gone. There's not a whole lot of options, so of course you're going to come with me because look, we're friendly. We have a bunch of yacht, uh, yachts and cocaine and strippers, and and you want. I was to... offered no cocaine. Well, or, you got, wow, you got screwed. I was offered a ton. Did you offer that as a good reason to back out? I, I will now. <laughs> Listen, judge, <laughs> I was you, not offered any strippers you know I mean? or like, cocaine. It, 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 brewery should be allowed in that instance to go wherever they want based on the strength of of the opportunities that the distributor provides. Well, you know, I, I 100% agree that the distributor should be entitled to something monetary, some brand value. The problem is when fair market value is a number that no brewery can ever afford to pay unless they're doing more than 100,000 barrels, and even then it's almost impossible, mm-hmm. that's not fair market value anymore. Right. You know, I mean, it, it has to be something that is actually a reasonable amount of money that the brewery could in a reasonable situation come up with. Well, and I feel like the distributor shouldn't be allowed to set fair market value. Yes. I mean, generally speaking, right? I legally, mean, fair market is a value set by both parties. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and, and the mar- I mean, I would think that you guys would know more about what your market value is than the distributor who's just sitting on the on the kegs warm on their porch. Sure. And I mean, you know, other factors, too. Like if the distributor has tripled the sales of the brewery in the last year, mm-hmm. they're entitled to more money. The problem is, uh, you know, I'll use ourselves as an example again. Uh the the first situation I was talking about, we had lost volume. We'd actually sold less beer, and they still argued a three multiplier. <laughs> 
for dropping sales. And wow. so, so how, how can you, well, and this is a stupid question, but in my mind, it would be, well, you can go to them and go, well, look, six months down the road, yep. we've lost sales. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to pull our brand back because your needs are, our needs are not being met. You are not fulfilling your contractual obligation. So you can do that. And that is considered uh, good cause for termination. If you mm-hmm. say, listen, you're, you're not selling any beer, we need to move. Yeah. And they have 30 days to remedy the situation. In this case, a remedy to the situation is not increasing your sales. It is making a good faith attempt <laughs> right. to increase your sales. Yeah. Okay. Don't um, worry. We had a sales yeah. rep mention your brewery to yes, an account. That literally yeah. works. Yeah. That is a legally valid attempt to increase beer sales. Well, where's the proof? Do they need it, to do they it, need to show proof that they actually did it? Yeah, they can say, "Hey, here these are the 10 new accounts we dropped your book off at." Yeah. Yeah. Bingo. That's it. Yeah. So um, no, they don't need to show proof. They can just really. say they did it. It doesn't have to be valuable. <laughs> right. <laughs> Video <laughs> recorded. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Here's today's newspaper along with flat tails <laughs> tailgater Kolsch. Anyway. Good faith effort, man. That Good punk rock band name. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, so we got we got that far. So you're you're you have a, a brewery. Your distributor gets sold to a giant one, and now you are in a book with five hundred other local breweries. Yeah. So there were eighty seven brands in GDI's book, mm-hmm. and uh, out of those, I, I believe the number that didn't immediately just sign over to the new distributor uh, was four. Uh, part of this out of how many? Sorry, eighty-seven. Okay, and yeah. they actually got to leave, or they just attempted, no, 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 no. They tried As to leave. They gave permission to uh, transfer their rights to the new. Only four said okay. Only four said up. no. Everybody else said yes. Let's go over to the new distributor. Okay, and part of this uh, was because the the tactics tactics used to get a clean transition were basically GDI just saying you have to do this. This is your only choice. Uh, here's the paper, sign it. And uh, this was another situation where it was our interpretation of franchise laws that we had good reason to say, no, we don't want to go to this new, bigger distributor. And so we sent them a letter saying, hey, you're in breach of our contract. This situation cannot be remedied because you are no longer going to exist. So we're going to return to self-distribution. And uh, then we got a big, nasty letter in the mail that made it very clear that that was not going to happen. Um, and then we're in the situation where, guess what? They're, they're not going to be selling a ton of beer because they're not going to exist in another two months. Right. Right. Um, in addition to just bars not being open to buying beer from a distributor that's about to not exist, you know, their sales staff had no incentive to continue selling beer. No. Uh, this was a staff that, you know, again, thought that the owners were like family. It was a 97-year-old business. The owners used to always say things like, you know, Grandma taught us that number one step to building a great business is take care of your people. Well, yeah, and put foil around the crust. Yeah, right, so yeah, exactly. Right. Too bad Grandma's not still here. <laughs> Thank God she isn't, because she'd be pretty fucking pissed right now. <laughs> um, she'd yeah, be I mean, pissed in her Tesla. So the, right. the whole yeah. pissing in her Tesla. She'd be pretty old. <laughs> but she also might not know she's pissing in her Tesla. Is that like Schrodinger's wet Tesla? <laughs> it might just be incontinence or whatever that is. I think that's it. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, that kind of brings us to the the incident that brought this whole show about, which was this transfer from one distributor to another. And that's where we started by saying, no, that's not going to work. 
Yeah. And, you know, at first we were heartbroken because this was a brand that we had built relationships with. You know, uh, my sales guy, Dave, has crashed at these people's houses while he's up in Portland. We've had beers together. You know, I, I've had conversations with Jim Fick, the previous owner of GDI. I, you know, I considered him a friendly acquaintance, if not a buddy. Whoa. And, um, but not a friend. No, See, Kim Shimke needs to be away. here One because away. there's a difference mm, between no buddy Valentine's and friend. Day cards. Okay. Right. Yeah. And, and how much notice did they give you? Again? Uh, 60 days. 60 day notice. Mm-hmm. And they sent us a letter. We had been working with GDI for six years, and we got a, a letter. letter. Yeah. Huh. So once we once we got the letter back saying basically, you know, if you continue to self distribute, you're going to have to give us a fuck ton of money. You know, I thought, okay, I- I'm gonna I'm gonna call Jim. Well, Jim's not picking up the phone. Yeah, of course so, I know. Shocker. Of course, yeah. Uh, and I'm thinking this is crazy. You know, they're not going to care about us. We're too small. We've been in a relationship with them for too long. You know, they just, they don't treat people yeah. badly. So you guys bought plants yeah, together. Exactly. Yeah. You know, we went to IKEA together. Right. Um, and uh, I was just blown away. Uh, no, wouldn't answer emails, wouldn't answer phone calls. Oh. Uh, the the only response we got would be from his lawyer saying, "Stop calling Jim." <laughs> And, uh, uh, yeah. What uh, a, uh, a betrayal. I mean, absolutely. that's, wow. Yeah, you know, we, we had been building these relationships together, and I really thought that the relationship that we had with this distributor was one that was not like a distributor-brewery relationship. It was friends working together to make a mutually profitable, you know, partnership. Mm-hmm. And uh, we just got told to fuck off. Uh, it, it was huh. bizarre. And we weren't the only ones. You know, this is how they treated every brewery. You know, I, I remember talking to uh, the CFO on the phone, like, listen, man, we, we don't have any money. It's like, well, guess you better sign with the new guys. Like, that's going to destroy our brand. Like, well, guess you better come up with the money. I mean, zero flexibility, zero offer to, to come to something that might Just not put us out of business. Nothing you can do. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And uh, they, they treated their employees the same way. And that was even more shocking. Uh, they had sold off. This one just boggles my mind. Um and this is why it's so important to support independent businesses and independent distributors. It has nothing to do with the fucking beer. It has everything to do with the people you want to give your money to. Mm-hmm. A couple months before this sale happened, they sold off every fleet vehicle they had for the sales staff. And they incentivized their sales staff to buy their own brand new cars. And the deal was they would basically take care of most or all of your payment if you bought a brand new warranted car. Okay. They sold their business four months later. Right. 30 salespeople with giant car payments that they could no longer afford to pay. Wow. Right. right. They were out of jobs yep. and had a big car, ma- car payment. I mean, think about how much That's more money. That's a dick move. Yeah. It's not a dick move. It, it's a detestable vile. Act. Yeah. It's that, disgusting. That but is. their company was nice Good and lean do for that acquisition. Do Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. They, uh, they offered, I believe it was one week of... Uh, Severance pay for every five years you worked for the company. Oh wow! Yep. Uh, our our uh, deliver or pickup guy uh, who would come every other Monday and you know pick our beer up. He had worked with General uh, in two different periods for a combined total of twenty five years. He got five weeks. Oh, excuse me. No, he didn't. He got three because they didn't count the first stint. Right. They didn't combine the two. Oh that's well, why surprising. would you? Twenty twenty five right. years. <laughs> wow. And that's what you're supporting. When you support consolidated brands. Yeah, absolutely. Well, but when everybody got into that relationship, they weren't uh, 
consolidated brand. It was a family-owned independent business, right? Exactly. Uh, but it was it was that consolidation buyout. It was that big dollar bill floating in front of the Fick family that did this. Sure. And ultimately, obviously, it was their choice. And that's that's really the most heartbreaking part about this whole thing is it wasn't the big evil new distributor that did these things to us. It was the family that we knew and trusted. Have you ever heard from them? Nope. Nothing. We're still Facebook buddies, though. Hope you, to hear from you, Jim. Do you message him? Uh, I have not yet. Or post on his Facebook page? Yeah. Like, how, every, how could you do this? Every time I start thinking of what I want to say to him, I yeah. just start sweating and shaking, hmm. and bad things come out. I, I'm already in a dark enough place. I, just, I don't need to put those words on paper. You should just like <laughs> all of his posts. <laughs> every single thing. That might be the winner. That yeah. might be the winner. Speaking of winners... Dave, White Labs just released a mobile app. Whether you're a home brewer searching for your next strain or a professional brewer placing an order, White Labs mobile app has something for everyone. Key features include an easy-to-navigate ordering system, custom culture calculator to determine appropriate pitch rates, homebrew store locator, up-to-the-minute availability, and more. Download the new White Labs mobile app for iPhone or Android by searching White Labs in the App Store. Okay, we are going to take... A break, I believe. Yeah, let's take a break. Uh, Dave, and then from that depressing... I could use some tequila. <laughs> you brought you brought tequila, but no beer. Just a pocket tequila. I mean, oh. Out of the ordinary. <laughs> it's not in a bottle. It's just in his pocket. It's yeah. like desk tequila, <laughs> right. yeah. but you literally, can put it in your pocket. <laughs> literally in his pocket. Yeah. I put a Ziploc bag. I cut out my pockets, and I line them with Ziplocs. <laughs> Ziploc's a pretty good idea. <laughs> For this. Yeah. See? Take all the cotton out, put Ziplocs in. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we go, uh, Great Fermentations, hit them up. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, GR8 Fermentation. They have the largest catalog of Blickman products on the web. Top-notch customer service. Check them out. Great Fermentations. Okay. Here we go. We're going to take that break now. When we come back, what are we going to talk about? The rest of... Uh... Happy things. Okay. Oh, just the death Happy of craft beer. Yeah. <laughs> like the death of craft beer. Why Dave uh, rides at night with no motorcycle helmet on. It's the session. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Brewcasters. The Brewcasters. On The Brewing Network. Your support of the Brewing Network means everything to us. We couldn't produce shows without you. And we love giving you something extra for that support, like Brew Your Own Magazine. You already know it's a great brewing magazine full of recipes, equipment how-tos, discussions of beer styles, and brewing techniques. Whether you're new to brewing and just starting out or you're an old pro, you'll always learn something from the articles in Brew Your Own. Plus, they're amazing special issues like plans for building a brew 10 system, 250 classic clone recipes, and the Home Brewer's Answer Book. Brew Your Own Magazine and BYO.com are awesome resources for any brewer, whether for yourself or as a gift. When you subscribe or resubscribe from the Brewing Network homepage, you directly support programs like this. Get a great magazine and support the Brewing Network. Subscribe to Brew Your Own right from the BrewingNetwork.com. Do you know the three most important rules in brewing? 
sanitation, sanitation, and sanitation. And no one does it better than Five Star Chemicals. Five Star knows sanitation. You can only sanitize clean equipment. And Five Star knows how to clean, too. For craft brewers and home brewers, Five Star has what you need to keep your fermenters, serving tanks, kegs and draft lines sparkling and free of any beer-spoiling bacteria. PBW, caustic, acid cleaners, star sand, Santa Clean, lubricants and defoamers, pH stabilizers, and more. Five Star Chemicals has cleaning supplies, safety supplies, heat exchangers, pumps, hoses, and valves. And Five Star is proud to offer eco-friendly products that exceed customer expectations. If you have a cleaning problem, you need the Five Star Solution. Visit FiveStarChemicals.com or call 800-782-7019. 800-782-7019. And get the Five Star Treatment today. Are you looking for a simple brewing system that's great for all grain brewing, but everything on the market seems to be full of compromises? Blickman Engineering has the answer. The Blickman Brew Easy All Grain Brewing System. The Brew Easy is a complete system with easy upgrades and a beautiful compact design, perfect for any size brewing location. At its core, the Brew Easy is built on two gorgeous Blickman Boilermaker brew kettles, a high temperature March pump, and either a top tier gas burner or the new boil coil electric heater. The Brew Easy adapter lid allows the pots to stack on top of each other, forming an efficient, strong, and compact brewing setup that comes in 5, 10, and 20-gallon batch sizes. Upgrade your BrewEasy system with full automated control by adding a Blickman Tower of Power temp controller and make moving around easy with the Blickman Kettle Cart. The BrewEasy is modular. If you already own a Boilermaker kettle, you can build your BrewEasy by purchasing just the modules you need. The new BrewEasy all-grain brewing system. See it today at BlickmanEngineering.com and brew with Blickman quality on your new BrewEasy. This is Corey King from Side Project Brewing, and you're listening to the session on the Brewing Network. Thanks for hanging out, everybody. I know everybody listening here knows this, but sometimes jockey boxes can be frustrating. Luckily, there's now a solution. Pancho's Keg Cooler, an elegant option for serving cold beer at social gatherings. Imagine a water cooler tall enough and with enough room inside to fit a five-gallon corny keg, including a small two-and-a-half-pound CO2 tank and a regulator. Add a beer faucet, and you have a kegerator on the move. You have Poncho's Keg Cooler. Now available at ponchosbrewinglab.com. Get $20 off your Poncho's Keg Cooler purchase by using code BNET, B-N-E-T. For additional information and for answers to frequently asked questions, visit ponchosbrewinglab.com. All right, Dave, where were we? Oh, just, you know, happy rainbows, shiny unicorns, okay. beer, yeah, all that stuff. So you uh, were talking about you did not want to sign with yeah. the new, distri- yeah. new distributor. And, uh, and your you lawyer know, told you to basically eat shit and die. Pretty much. Okay. Uh, we <laughs> got did, it. We and he's on your side. A new lawyer. <laughs> yeah, right. Um. <laughs> and he's an advocate for you, young <laughs> man. You paid him to tell you that you're boned. Let yeah. me tell you, the conversations we had with this guy were some of the most hilariously depressing moments of my entire life. <laughs> it, it would start with like, okay, so there's no possible way that they can reasonably interpret it this way like yeah that's correct but they do (laughs) (laughs) and that was pretty much every conversation we had um 
And unfortunately, I can't really tell you how it ended other than to tell everyone that uh, in the end, GDI just kept trying to fuck us. Um, what do you mean you can't tell us how... I, I can tell you that we can now self-distribute. Are you contractually bound? Is that why? Like, you can't... Ex- I can tell you that we can self-distribute now. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. But the the deal that maybe happened did not happen with GDI or the fake family. Uh, they waited us out to the very last minute. So we, in essence, sold virtually no beer for two months straight. Uh, we lost $50,000 in revenue <laughs> Wow! coming mm. out of one of the roughest winters the Oregon beer industry has ever seen. Wow. A- at a time when many, many small brewers were already <laughs> suffering, ourselves included. Yeah, we just, you know, I, I had to lay off a, a brewer. Um, I am running the brewery entirely by myself, again, as far as production goes. I no. have a part-time warehouse guy. Yeah, I know, quality going down. <laughs> as if it could. <laughs> Wham. <laughs> um, but anyway. Nothing like digging your own hole and jumping right in. Right. Yeah, I, I was just trying to do I mean, it we're just before you guys got to it. <laughs> you know, the, the, the good news at the end of all of this, as yeah. I said, is that we are now allowed to self-distribute again. And it has been incredible. Yeah. You know, when we originally got into the whole distribution game, it, it was for bad reasons. And it was for some of those reasons that I described. Ownership didn't want to deal with selling beer or didn't know how to manage a sales team. And we thought this was the easy solution. And I didn't know any better, I, so I couldn't object to it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. But now that we're back to self-distribution, the thing I really want to get across to people thinking about starting breweries or people thinking about signing with distributors you have to be selling a lot of beer to warrant signing with a distributor. So if you're if you're like a one month old, and uh, you know you're making I don't know you've made a couple turns on your brew house, mm-hmm. and a distributor approaches you, that's not a good fit. I think it is reasonable to say, particularly in uh, concise markets like Oregon, mm-hmm. that if you're making less than five thousand, if you're selling less than five thousand barrels of beer a year, you probably are better off not being with a distributor, especially in your home market. Put that money into community members who want to sell beer. Put that money into owning your own vehicles outright. And the other thing that people often don't know, because once again, distributors are not required to tell you this, you are also entitled to money for your brand rights. We did not receive money for our brand rights when we signed with our first distributor because we didn't know we were owed it. Huh, but right. if you're selling 5,000 barrels on year five, 4,000 on year four, 2,000 on year two, whatever, you could be entitled to a half a million dollar payment for those brand rights. Which, really? Yes. When, so, when you sign a when distributorship. You sign yeah. So your the same trailing 12 and exactly. multiplier applies to a brewery signing with a distributor if they own their own rights. Yeah. So the the first distributor basically kept money from you. Yeah, they were like, fuck yeah, we'll distribute your product. Well, Cha-ching. Right. And then, yeah, and then didn't t- so how much? Well, Dave didn't ask for them to buy yeah. the rights. Right. And so. that was, again, that, that was yeah. our fault to an extent. Sure, but, sure. But no, but I'm saying, like, how much do you think you were owed th- at that point? How much would you have gotten? Considering they got 75 for not doing much of anything, yeah. uh, I mean, 75 is a pretty good number. <laughs> <laughs> but that was after six years or something, right? No, 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 no. This no. was after one year in business. Oh, okay. Yeah, we made the, the biggest mistake we have ever made 
that I am currently talking about right now yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. was signing with a distributor when we didn't know anything about distribution and when we really hadn't explored self-distribution. Uh-huh. It sounds hard because the first step is hiring someone that's going to have to have a salary. The first step is buying a van for that guy. That's a lot of money for a small uh, brewery. For sure. Yeah. But but you see, you see my point, right? Like mm-hmm. the, the distributor that you built a relationship with and you were buddy-buddy with and all that kind of stuff yeah. with... No, withheld money. No, no, no. The second one gave the money to the first one to buy us. Right. Oh, okay. We're just a commodity. Once you okay, sign with so, the original distributor, your rights are now a commodity that can be sold. Right. Right. Okay. I'm sorry. I, I, yeah. That's what I was trying to clarify. Mm-hmm. The first gotcha. distributor didn't withhold any money from you, but you were. Uh, how does that work? If 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 you if you are entitled to money based on your rights. So well, whoever you have to owns ask for the it. rights, yeah, yeah, whoever owns the rights is entitled to money. But if you don't request it, if you don't receive that money, then it, it doesn't, it's not owed to you the next year. Right. They now own those rights, so they are now owed money. You, you can't store it. It doesn't roll over. Okay. Yeah. It's like if, if you were selling a car and I had the chance and I was going to buy it from you, I could just say, hey, you want to give me that car? And you could be like, okay, sure. Or if you knew you could charge me for it because it had a monetary value, then you could ask me for it. But once you gave me the car and I had the keys, it's sure. Mine now. But, but I, I guess what I don't understand is is if if you didn't own your rights because you had a distributor. No, it's only selling to the first distributor. That's when the brewery can get who's money. on first, right? Right. Yeah. Well, no, but this is this is this is what I'm trying to clarify. If you you weren't you didn't ask for the money from the yes, first distributor. So we lost our rights. Right. So the people Cost who you were friends with didn't tell you, "Hey, we actually need to pay you for your rights." Is that what? You, is that sure? I, I guess it's the people that we were friends with that was confusing me because the yeah. very first distributor we signed with, it, it was you know basically the first guys we talked to on the phone. Right. Okay. Not the distributor that they just. Yes, not the no, one that we just. Correct. Yeah. I just. I basically, I was just painting a, a more bleak yeah, yeah. picture of the people that you and, thought were friends. And you know, part of that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just like now. Yeah. Um, part of that too, obviously, is our fault, and was the fault of many small brewers. You know, back five, ten years ago, because it was home brewers getting into this business. Because we were passionate about beer, and we may have been good at making beer, but I, I think we assume that everybody's going to be just as friendly as brewers are to each other, and it's not about money, and everybody's just stoked on the business. And that's not how it is. And the first <laughs> mistake was you know, assuming that and not talking to a lawyer at literally every step. Talk to John at every step. If you're thinking <laughs> about taking a shit, talk to John first. Just you show know, him. Maybe get some actually. fiber advice. And so, yeah. a, a so you're saying business is about money and not about beer. Well, I think that so, uh, took me eight years <laughs> to figure that one out. <laughs> <laughs> the distribution side of things is way more cutthroat than the beer side of things. Absolutely. Massively. And you have to, as a brewer, as a brewery owner, be educated on Everything from franchise laws to how to support your distributor. This was another thing that I will openly admit we totally fucked up with our first distributor. Hmm. You know, we put all of the blame on them, and there was a, a huge amount of blame on them, just like there was a huge amount of blame on us. We didn't have a sales guy out in the market supporting their sales staff. Uh, we didn't have the staffing to be checking up on their inventory on a weekly basis. These are things that you have to do. You can't just read the inventory report and go, cool, looks good. You need to be in that distributor's warehouse checking on your product because shit gets lost. It gets misplaced, and you can't count on them to say, hey, this keg is six months old. We actually lost in the back. 
let's just put it back in rotation. You know, that that happens. That happens all the time. Uh, So you have to be an active part of making your distributor successful if you do sign with a distributor. It's not a one-man operation. I wouldn't think. I wouldn't think of that either. I'd be like, "Well, mm-hmm. that's what I'm paying you for, <laughs> right?" You, you would. know, ultimately, what you're really paying them for is dropping your product off and getting you into chain accounts. You know, if you want to be in a hundred right. Safeways, you're going to need a distributor. And for some business models, that's incredibly valuable. I, I can tell you, as someone who has attempted to figure out how to get chain authorization, mm-hmm. it sucks. It's awful, and uh, brewers don't really tend to have the head for that kind of work. So uh, You're saying they're dumb. Uh, real dumb. Okay. M- me dumb. All right. Um, well, I mean, I, I think especially a guy like you, which is you're pretty much a one-man show, you don't have the time. Exactly. I think more importantly because yeah. nobody's awake at 2 in the but morning. But that's a bad excuse. And that was always my excuse. I don't know excuse. if it's a bad excuse. It is because <laughs> the, the thought was, you know, it's I don't my have time. Excuse. So I'm going <laughs> to unload it on someone else. But huh. you don't realize that to be successful with a distributor, it takes more time. Oh, because yeah. now you're giving 30% of your profit to someone else. Hmm. So that means you have to boost your sales to make up for that. And that's more time in more volume because your product isn't as profitable. It's more time in managing the people that are going to deal with your distributor if that's not you. And if it's you, that's checking inventories on a daily, uh, doing physical inventories weekly. That's making sure every salesperson that works for that distributor has an accurate and timely description of your product. New item forms, uh, go-to-market strategies, you know, yearly what worked, what didn't work. These are the things that you have to do, and that's just barely, barely skimming the surface of what it's like to work with a distributor. That sounds, I don't want to do that. Yeah, they're basically a glorified UPS or FedEx, like a logistics company. And, and a brewery has to hold their hand. It doesn't take are. long. And it doesn't know, take long for the honeymoon period where they're like, oh, yeah, we'll help you sell your beer and everything. You got a few months of that. Until, until it's on you. Until you're not the everything. new kid anymore. Right. Exactly. Until they sign two other breweries. Yeah. yeah. You know, who, we, uh, everybody has an IPA. Right. Everybody does have an IPA. That is sure. Yeah. Uh, when we started canning, you know, we were doing 1,500 cases a month. Uh, Chevron was one of our best accounts. Wow. And the gas station? Yes. That one. Not the strip club, um, <laughs> but they were our second best account. Uh, and we were just blown away. And, you know, of course, my former naive self, I'm thinking, oh, my God, this is so amazing that in the day and age we live in, I can sell a thousand cases of dry hop session saison in fucking gas stations and plaid pantries. I mean, it was so incredible. Yeah. yeah. But then all of a sudden, guess what? We're not making funky one-offs. We're not making sour beers. We're not making anything except for Kolsch and fucking dry hop saison because now I have to do 1,500 cases a month. Right. And we lost those accounts. Because you weren't, you weren't rotating it out enough? Uh, there wasn't enough selection? employees went on strike. Um, okay. Yeah, and, and we lost every chain account we had. Huh. And so once, once you're out, you're out. Basically, in a lot of those relationships. Yeah. Well, what I mean, what you couldn't have been the only one that they were distributing to those accounts. Correct. Many were out, but when you don't have big boy clout like we don't, you yeah. don't get back in. Hmm. And that was really kind of, I think, the impetus for this whole sale. It, it was when the the snowballs started rolling uh, because they lost a lot of money. We lost more money as a percentage. Um, and uh, that was when the business started streamlining, and uh, the, the business as in GDI, mm. the distributorship. And it became clear that suddenly there was kind of a shift. And that was the first time since we had been with GDI that suddenly we weren't going up by 14%, 15% a year. And that should have raised alarm bells. 
but we trusted them. And that's another very important thing is you need to have, uh, you know, a, a plan. If suddenly you see something, if you see a drop in your sales with your distributor, if you see risky business tactics, or if you see things that are suspect, like selling off a, a sales vehicle fleet that's owned <laughs> outright, don't go, hey, I'm sure it's cool. They wouldn't fuck us. Right. They're about to fuck you right. so hard. Yeah. Uh, you just you have to be smart and you have to protect your brand because no one else is going to protect it for you. But with the franchise laws the way they are, what can you do about it? Start saving up to, That's a good to pay question, your seventy five grand. Answer Warren truthfully, please. <laughs> Fucking nothing. Um, <laughs> Sit no, back you and can, take it. Number one, you can make sure that you build up your brand to the point where a distributor actually makes sense. Number two, you need to know what is your ethos. What do you want out of being a brewery owner? Do you want to be Sierra Nevada? Because if you want to be Sierra Nevada, then you're sure as shit going to need a distributor. But do you just want to make money, make good beer, and you know pay your employees a good wage? If that's the case, stop aiming for 50,000 barrels. Aim mm-hmm. for two or three. Have a tight crew. Pay off your debt. Don't stack up debt in the first place. And do it that way. Yeah. Uh, you know, As soon as you get a distributor, you, you change the entire goal for your business. So you sure as shit better make sure that's something that you want to do. Because when you get a distributor, your goal is just... You're locked in. Pleasing them, filling their accounts. Sure, but more importantly, how are you ever... You know, if you decide, actually, I just want to be the small guy again, how do you get out? <laughs> you don't. You just... you. It's virtually impossible to come up with that kind of money and and justify spending it in order to just be able to sell your own beer well, again. And, right. and, and that's not what makes... that. I guess that doesn't make sense... I figured when you sign a distributor, it's for, let's say, five years. And at the end of the five years, you have the opportunity to re-sign with them or not. So this is another thing that if it were like any other business or legal contract, that would make sense. Just terms. Yeah. (laughs) If if you don't sign a contract in any other business, it's an at-will agreement. Right. Unless there's a verbal contract with witnesses, if you don't sign something and you say, hey, build a retaining wall... That dude can do it however he wants. It can be whatever stones. It can be, you know, rebar, no rebar. He can do it however he wants to because there's no contract. You know, there has to be obviously some good faith, but it, nothing is like it is with distributorships where there's always a contract and it always favors the distributor, whether you write it or not. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. Um, Mic drop. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, so how can we get the laws changed? Is that is that what it would take? It would take legislation I, I to, to you, overturn these things? I I mean, the, the beer lobby is up there with tobacco and firearms. Right. Um, that's something a lot of people don't realize is uh, AB InBev and Miller Coors are two of the strongest lobbying forces in the country. Uh, so, yeah, you, you should write your state reps and say that, you know, research your state franchise laws. If you live in Oregon or California, absolutely. Write your state reps and say it's time to change our outdated franchise laws. Why don't why don't Brewers Guild, for example, mm-hmm. band together with all the people, all the paying members of the Brewers Guild and put pressure on their state legislator to change things? Yes. E- even if they do, there's more money in the distributors lobbies. 
Like, sure, you're, but you're but, putting together a big group of people to fight a much, 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 much bigger group of people, <laughs> and well, much richer group of people. Yeah. Sure, but at, at least there was some press, you know, especially now with all the beer blogs and the beer news mm-hmm. blogs and all that kind of shit. To me, that would make it would make sense just from a, a, a PR standpoint that hey, we every single person in this state that has a distributor is getting boned to the core, and there's literally nothing we I, can I do about it. We're care. stuck. I don't think people care. I really don't. I think the average person doesn't give a shit. They just like with, you know, you're you were talking about how people want to say that they drink IPAs, but they don't really want to drink them. Uh, people want to say that they support local independent business, but they don't want to have to try. And that's kind of the cold, hard truth. Right. If there's effort involved, people aren't going to do it. They want to think that they're supporting. Yeah. <laughs> if it takes no effort, they're happy to do it. it and this, this brings us to kind of, you know, the death of craft beer, if you will. <laughs> uh, because, well, wait, hang, uh, I'm no, sorry. No, no, I'm jumping ahead. No, let's I'll go back. Backwards. Let's go back. So if you, if you, let's say, contact uh, the BA and yeah. say, hey, we, as, as, has, a, as a guild, because I don't know why, just the guild mm-hmm. sticks in my mind, we need help overturning this. Yeah, the BA has been actively working to update franchise laws since, I think, 2010. Okay, so there yeah. is there is some they effort are trying. Okay, unsuccessfully. How yeah. c- how can we help as the general public? Is there a, a page maybe on their site or on the Oregon Brewers Guild, for example, you know, I, where then here's a list of the people you should contact, and here's a form letter. Like everything else that has a movement behind it has some of these like things, and if we can participate, send in a them. dick pic to Charlie. And uh, which you know, one? You want side view? Matter. You want top view? You want uh, bottom up? What do oh, you want? Oh God! Uh, no, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You you can contact your your local brewers guild. You can contact the BA and say, hey, you guys need to pay more attention to this. And this is something that we do actively. And I, I don't think that it's that they don't care, but they are such a small lobbying group for the number of issues that they have to lobby for. You know, they just got our excise taxes reduced for small craft brewers. Yeah. That was a huge, huge victory. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, what's uh, Tony McGee, Lagunitas? Yeah. Right, Heineken. Yeah. Excuse me, Heineken. Right. Uh, he once famously said that if you're not making money and you're a brewer, then you're doing it badly. Um they, Guess what? <laughs> Most of us aren't making money and right. saving half on taxes. Uh, this was in a, a discussion about why he thought we shouldn't cut taxes. Huh. Well, he sold out mm. to Heineken two right. years later, so maybe that had something to do with it. <laughs> right. If you're um, not selling to Heineken, you're right. not doing it right. Well, uh, at that point, he was probably already half in the bag he with was Heineken court- anyway. He admitted he was courting them for years. They turned <laughs> him down originally, and he came back. Oh, yeah. Um, but <laughs> just like a jilted lover. Uh, uh, but that's neither here nor there. No. Um, the, the BA is working on it, but, you know, like I said, they just had a huge victory. Uh, I, I don't think there's a whole lot that they can do at once. Uh, you know, the little upside down bottle. I know Warren hates it, and I know it's controversial, but I, I think that was that was also a great thing that the BA did because it creates some kind of difference between the independent brewer and the, those that aren't. Do you think people care? <laughs> right. About independent beer, craft beer anymore, especially because now I, it's a shift but from craft beer to independent. And now it's like, well, Jesus, I when don't. are these hipsters going to just realize beer is just beer? And I don't care because I, there are people who still go to Golden Road. They just yep. opened a, a joint in Sacramento and it was packed because people don't give a shit. Yep. People still go to Goose Island because they just don't care. I think that's why 
it, it might actually, in this case, be more effective to dump money into some advertising campaigns mm-hmm. uh, because you have to prove to people why they should care. And it can't be because independent is better. You have to give them real concrete reasons and examples of fucked up things that the big guys do that will piss them off. Mm-hmm. And I've got some. Oh, <laughs> oh wow. Well, uh, speaking of getting some, I have a question. But stuff. Are you getting enough? <laughs> no, not Uh-oh. that. Uh, this is from Chris. It's a, a, a chat room question here, buddy. Uh, I'm a friend, maybe. I don't know. Guy, pa- pal, buddy, Warren, acquaintance. <laughs> yeah, maybe acquaintance. I don't know yet. We'll see. Uh, I may have missed it earlier, but I'm curious which legislature, which legislators, or which party has helped push this through. Is this an appropriate question for Dave? I mean, why is party line going to help? So you can get on Facebook and go, the Democrats are jer- jerks yeah. and MAGA. Well, I mean, these, these laws party have been push- around a yeah. long time. Who gives I mean, a shit? Since post-prohibition. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 old guys. Republican? I no. Dem- I, don't I honestly have no idea okay. if this was... I don't think this was a partisan issue at all. Uh, this is from Nico. He says, does Dave think larger distributors try to sign smaller craft breweries specifically to control their brands, purposefully slowing the sales of said brands in order to get them out of the way to sell more of whatever their top brands are? <laughs> yes. He says, 20 minute, sort of like in the movie Antitrust, when Tim Robbins' character buys up small tech companies to get them out of the way. So a perfect example is is going to be checking out. um, Yeah, thank you for answering your own question for me. But that's an excellent point. uh, Because, you know, when the new distributor bought out this latest book, um, and, and this is every time a distributor consolidates, they have to tell every brand that we're going to care about you and we're going to service you, knowing full well that nice. that is impossible. You can't add 87 brands to a book that's already well over 100 and say that everyone's getting attention. Dude, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, when I was buying shit through Wine Warehouse. Mm-hmm. Good people, whatever. Sure. Uh, beer came cold, which I was pretty stoked about. Um, it was point. impossible to go through that, that book. I got yeah. bored, and that was 15 years ago. I can't imagine what it's like now as as a as a as a bar owner or a bottle shop owner or someone who buys beer. I, I, yeah. I can't imagine to like know what's on trend. We've lost four distributors in Oregon just in the last five years. I, I mean, there are so few players left. I mean, you're with. Are they just getting out? And they're just, getting bought. They're getting bought. Yes, just like the craft breweries. Yes, mm-hmm. the same exact thing is happening. And you look at trends of the number, the total number of breweries in the United States versus barrelage, and people assume that as the number of breweries goes up, so do the barrels. Yeah, the relationship is actually generally inverse. As breweries consolidate, there's more barrelage consumed because beer, the focus on the beer, stops being about the flavor. It stops becoming this artisan. I hate that fucking word, but it stops becoming this. Independent, you might you might like product. it more if you if you if you wrote it in the font that you sent over your uh, your outline in. I'm changing everything to Comic Sans. <laughs> it, it becomes less indie. Everything to oh. Comic Sans. Oh God, you should or Papyrus. I mean, that, one that font looks like the wanted posters you get at the county fair. <laughs> I think I'm on most of those. <laughs> uh, I, I just, you completely. Sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry. Fucker. Inverse. You're beer, saying somebody yeah, inverse. Because everyone's con- uh, yeah, concentrating uh, on volume. Right. And, and when beer becomes the same thing as soda pop, volume goes up because people drink it just to fucking drink it. And, you know, craft beer 
does provide a certain degree of temperance because people are drinking these bitter as fuck IPAs that you can't slam down, you know? It takes longer. Um, <laughs> and paying twice as much for it. Yeah, that too. And that seriously, that's part mm-hmm. of it. When, yeah. when people say that, hey, I'm willing to pay eight bucks a pint, you put more value in that product. And you may only have one or two, but you're going to enjoy it more because it's a, it's a completely different experience. When the mm. only options around you are Bud and Miller Coors products, you're going to have five of those. Well, beer is... I, I was enjoying buying a Bush by the 12-pack in Nashville, so my, my night was still enjoyable. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, beer has always been about the story. It's always been about the story. The Clydesdales sell more beer than, than any just, you know, mm-hmm. this beer tastes good uh, marketing campaign ever will. I mean, those are pretty horses. So. <laughs> They're sexy. Yeah. I, I didn't even go that far. Uh, mm. uh, you know, but I, and I think <laughs> that's what that's maybe what drives IPA as the golden child of the of the craft beer scene Absolutely. is because that has the most craft. Ah. That tastes the most craft like because mm. IPAs rebellion in a glass. You know, it's saying right. we're to the gonna, lager. Right. We're gonna put so many fucking hops in this thing. Mm-hmm. We're just gonna do the exact opposite. Get as far away as possible from Bud as we can. And I mean that's that was the success of the arrogant bastard brand. By saying we're going to pack this so full of flavor, it's going to it won't resemble what you know as beer, and it worked great, and it set the tone for American craft beer. So then, what happened to that tone? <laughs> Where are we going? It got hazy. Yeah. That, that tone got successful, and then yeah, started I mean, consolidating. Well, yeah. Uh, can I segue yet, or are you you're going to scold me again? Oh no, no. Hey, I would never scold you. I would never. Uh, I'll scald you, I but I will like never that. scold you. Does Bev have some hot wax in the back? <laughs> Maybe. Well, I'll tell you what, if she had some water, we could test it with a smart brew water testing kit. It incorporates a photometer system, which is revolutionary and the first and only one on the market with its own app. You can use it at home or for commercial use, because if you are going to start a brewery and, uh, you know, as Dave says, don't get a distributor, but you can use the uh, the iDip there for the brewery, too. It's the only meter on the market that runs water tests with no math needed. You have the ability to test over 40 different water quality tests, four come preloaded, and you can buy more, such as total alkalinity, chloride, calcium hardness, pH, sulfate, and more, using only four mils of water. So check it out. Go to smartbrewkit.com. Use code TBN10. That's the Brewing Network 10. And save 10 bucks on either the standard or advanced Smart Brew water testing kit. Yes, go ahead and segue. The master of segues, everybody, Dave Malavov. Segway. That's how we get around the brewery. Exclusively. <laughs> you can't afford one. <laughs> oh, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> you have those, the cheap Chinese knockoff hoverboards. I, I just buy the hoverboards post-explosion. They're a lot cheaper. <laughs> mm. Um, yeah, so I mean, this just takes us to distributor consolidation, brewery consolidation. A lot of guests have talked about how that offers less choice and, you know, kind of some of the more obvious factors. But I want to draw attention to uh, a statement that Pete Coors make, made uh, recently in response to the BA uh, acting, I believe he put it as aggressively and irresponsibly. Uh, with I, this, yeah, I his, read that his open letter. Yes, yeah. and what, when what was that? For the, the BA was that the Bas- CBC, right? It was in response yes. to the, the keynote CBC, at the keynote. CBC or yes. something. Yeah, and who it was also who it was a couple the, people. The keynote at CBC. I was doing a charity thing. Uh, yeah, I got nothing. Well, I, think I was at he, he was responding yeah. mainly to a couple ac- uh, BA. Uh, oh, just comments in general. Mm-hmm. Got it. Okay. Well, well, from ac- the, the person who gave the keynote was not even in the beer industry. Oh, okay. But yeah, it was right, before. 
Sorry, go ahead. It was about Shandy's. Um, anyway, uh, you know, in essence, he was saying that everything the BA is doing is pitting brewers against brewers. And, you know, he, it's making us fight and we should be banding together. And there's no difference between the big guys. They're just successful. And why is that bad? It was the most bland oversimplification I've, I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> hey, I thought this was America. Yeah, and I, I'm not going <laughs> to tell you about uh, Nikos is from uh, Ninkasi. Uh-huh. Nikos, one of the co-founders there, awesome guy. And uh, he had a, a brilliant response. Basically, this is what it boils down to. The problem is, as the big brewers consolidate small independent brands, their goal is to blur the lines between us and them. And that's incredibly dangerous. And it's not dangerous because you might get a beer of lesser quality. It's not even so much dangerous because we're going to have less access to ingredients and because it's going to shift the whole, uh, you know, the whole industry. The thing that's dangerous is consumers don't know where their dollar is going. Or in extreme cases, they think their dollar is going to support one thing and it's actually going to support another. And there's a very... Uh, obvious example and it's something that has personally angered me for for years and transgender uh, bathrooms close-ish okay Uh, (laughs) just kidding it's a joke everybody yeah well that is a good segue Uh, (laughs) i have to go to the bathroom and, I will uh, now be called I, divine. I will call <laughs> call some guys out on this one, and I know I'm going to get some angry text messages for it. So sorry, Pat, but this was coming. Um, when Hop Valley got bought out, that that was a huge blow to the local community because this was a group of of good friends. <clears throat> Where were they uh, from? Eugene, Eugene, okay. or Springfield, technically. You know, we did Wham collaborations with these guys. What's a Wham? There, you know, you the, sang the band Wham, Wham songs. Wake me up before you, Coco. It was a delicious oh. beer. Friends don't get closer than that. I mean, maybe Billy Joel collaborations, but Fucking beer puns, man. In the top five. Yeah. You gotta love yeah. them. Go um, ahead. And so they got bought by Miller yeah. Coors. And a year or two later, uh, there's this. Actually, I think it was uh, maybe 15 or 16. Can't remember. Either way, um, Hot Valley has this huge campaign uh, supporting LGBTQ rights. And, you know, rainbow posters. Everyone's talking about how they support the LGBTQ community so much. And it's great. We raised all this money. (laughs) The Coors family donates millions to anti-gay, anti-LGBTQ, anti-choice lobbies. The Coors family has, since its inception, been one of the biggest fundraising powers against gay rights in the country. Hmm. And they're using this little, hippie, cool, popular brewery to market to the LGBTQ community while simultaneously doing everything they can to strip them of their rights. This is what's so dangerous about blurring the lines between small, independent breweries and the big guys. Because they are allowed to market to us in any way they want to. And they convince consumers that they're supporting one thing when... In fact, their money is going to the exact opposite. And that's just the start. Look up what the owners of Anheuser-Busch and the owners of of Coors, look up the organizations they donate to. This is easy first-page Google shit. I mean, it's like the evil empire. (laughs) It's absolutely shocking. And yet, they're simultaneously marketing their tiny breweries as, as the opposite. These are marketing expenditures. That's what these breweries are when they buy them. Nothing more. They don't give a shit about the beer. It's all about how it improves their image. 
well, you know, I looked and it says they donate to water.org. <laughs> what do you what do you hate about water, Dave? Yeah. It's not beer yet. Mm. That's fair. <laughs> right? I mean, that makes uh, that makes a lot of sense and 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 but that n- is that is part of the the veil that we try to pierce in 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 the craft industry, I suppose, on, you know, on Facebook and everyone argues about everything, but um it, it the general consumer doesn't care and I, I wonder if they, they care. I wonder the if they even knew that I, I they would still care after drinking hot two valley beer would care. Do you think? I, I do. I think that when hmm. it becomes personal... But do, you th- but do you think enough of them would care where it would actually do anything? <sighs> and I'm not, I'm, not saying that, I'm not saying that you're, you're wrong. Not, I'm just I saying, like... I myself up for, like, 30 seconds. <laughs> right. He was, he was on the upswing right up. now. Uh, there's a great article from 2015 on rewire.news, uh, and it's called Brewing Hatred. And it's a fantastic article about how Coors actively markets towards women, Latinos, LGBTQ communities, and simultaneously attacks uh, immigration uh, rights, LGBTQ rights, etc. Hmm. What do you recommend people look up on the internet? Like, how, what's Probably your search term? I just said. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Um, shitty stuff big companies do. Right? <laughs> yeah. um, and it's and it's not even just about it's not just about where the money goes. I mean, look mm. at what Anheuser Busch InBev did the very first day that InBev acquired AB. They, they had statements: "We're not going to change anything. We're we're not going to fire anybody. Everyone's still going to have their jobs." They fired over a thousand people in St. Louis alone. Over a thousand Americans lost their jobs the day that InBev officially took control of AB. They gutted their facilities. They stopped their customer retention programs. And the pay-to-play shit that we were talking about in the very beginning of the episode, yeah. it's all back. We we have people getting free coolers, but they're finding their way around it by leasing it through third-party companies. Uh, when Goose Island first got bought out, there were $60 half barrels of Goose IPA being sold in Corvallis. This is something that I have witnessed wow. firsthand. And what they would do is they'd go to the bar owner and they'd say, hey, we're going to sell you this keg at 60 bucks, but we want you to charge five a pint just like you would the local beer. So that way you get all the extra profit. Right. And then they'd wait until all the local guys were off tap and jack the prices back up. Is that the kind of company that you want to support? If you're a bar owner, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. Well, that's, that's a good segue because it's not just the customer. It's also the bar owners. And if, if bars are supporting these brands, then they're also supporting these business tactics. That I agree with. I, I don't I you know, I don't get out a lot, but when I do, I see a lot of craft beer bars with Ballast Point on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, I don't know who else. I, I actually, well, maybe well, that's, that's really the only the only the, the main one. I don't see any yeah. Golden Road. Uh, uh, Golden Road's around less on draft, more bottle shops and, and grocery stores. New Golden yeah, Road is popping spots. up all over the place. Doing great. Yeah. And that, you know, Golden, or not and Golden Tin Road, Barrel but, too. Uh, Tin yeah. Barrel I see around a, a lot. Yeah. yeah and and yeah. it's like they're at mu- as, as much at fault because they're chasing the dollar Absolutely. as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, Ballast Point's another great example. Uh, when you support uh, Modelo, you're supporting a brewery. That literally has Mexican villagers dying in the streets protesting for their water rights. Yeah, and then which makes me sad because I really love Negro oh, Modelo. I love Negro Modelo. God, I oh, love it God, so much. So you good. guys are the problem. And yeah. fresh Pacifico. I I have not had a Pacifico since I found the Mexicali Resiste movement. Most of the websites that talk about it, I, I can't read. But. Um, <laughs> 
yeah. you're blind in one and, eye. And that's the thing. Like I, I fucking love fresh Mexican beer. Yeah, uh, it's been mm-hmm. a guilty pleasure of mine for years, but I'm not going to drink it because I don't want to support prioritizing human life and the right to water behind beer. But they're just coming over here anyway, so they could be, it could be fine. It'll be fine. Wah, yeah. Wah. <laughs> um, yeah, that I, was I, not cool. I know. I, I agree. Uh, sorry, Warren. And, 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 and that's part of the problem about specifically Ballast Point and the Ballast Point people that I know. Um, I think maybe we talked about it on a show like several months ago. But I don't know. I put it on Facebook or some bullshit like that. People got all weird out about it. But sure, that, that, I, I want my grapefruit fucking sculpin. Right, for fifteen ninety nine a six-pack. So Just you, envision yourself literally stomping on the face of a Mexican baby every time you drink a Ballast Point. <laughs> that, That's that basically the decision you're making. Well, yeah. well, I don't drink Ballast Point, so it's fine. Yeah. We, we should have like cigarette warnings, but on beer that's owned by these companies. I mean, yeah. literally. The, the, what? I, I, sorry, I, th- I think yeah. people um, can distance themselves and going, well, that beer is not made in Mexico. It's made in San Diego. That kind of mental gymnastics. I mean, that's just incredible to be able to say that I am admitting that I'm putting my money towards supporting this company, but I don't feel like I'm supporting their practices. That's what it was. It was they announced in downtown Disney they're going to have a Ballast Point yeah. tap room. Right. That pissed me the hell off, dude. I got real mad. Because, like, first of all, there's so many other breweries that are local to Anaheim, to Orange County, mm-hmm. that would be far more uh, deserving of a tap room. And they make far better beer, in my opinion. Yeah, now your annual pass money is going to take water away from uh, the people of Mexico. <laughs> well, it's downtown Disney, so it's a little bit... You know, oh, but it's all part of Disney Corporation. Yeah, right. Hey, look, man. You're getting a gold medal this year's Olympics. I don't have annual passes anymore. And we can't afford them. They oh, okay. raised the prices 18% on our annual passes. Can't afford it. And can't afford it. Out of principle, you don't want to support them. And out of principle, I don't want to step on a baby face or whatever you said. But, you know. It could be a toddler, too. Any any age group. All right. Yeah, and and with those laws, they're still trying to squeak them in and tweak uh, all of the pay to play situations. Literally three weeks ago, uh, to the California uh, Brewers Guild's credit, I got a phone call saying, hey, there's a bill uh, in the Capitol where. if this passes per brand, a brewery will be allowed to give uh, an account fifty dollars. <laughs> and they're like, FYI, what? AB has over a hundred over a hundred per year. So AB has over a hundred brands. They could give every account five grand based if this yeah. law passes. So hey, if you want to call your rep um, and tell them that you're not happy about that as as a brewer, that would be great. I call my local rep. Turns out that asshole, the one who authored that bill. <laughs> oh, fantastic. And, What's his name? Do you have his name? Uh, I don't What's, remember it off do you the top have a of my cell head. phone number? I, I called his office, and I'm like, hey, I'm a brewer in your... Uh, I, and I didn't know when I called. And I'm like, hey, I'm a brewer uh, in your uh, county. And just so you know, this bill that's going through, uh, I don't approve. And here's how it would affect me. Yeah. Oh, uh, well, we, we noted your, your, your status or, like, your opinion. <laughs> um, we'll let him know because he's in that meeting since he's the author of the bill. <laughs> and then I wonder how many how many campaign donations AB uh, put towards that guy. Oh right. Well, I'm I'm real curious to see if he ever wants to come by the brewery now <laughs> since uh, I called and you gave his office down. a piece of my piece of my mind. Um, a special pint. And so I found out later that day the the law passed or it got amended 
but it went from fifty dollars to now just five cases of glassware a year. <laughs> so it's like so now AB will just fund your glassware and then Great. you'll serve their so beer. So it's one step back to exactly what we we started the three tier system to avoid. <laughs> right, exactly. Right. Now we're keeping the three tier system but adding the pay to play back. Yeah. We can't we can't give you a new freezer but we can give you 5,000 cases of glass. How deep can we <laughs> ram it up? Uh? Yeah. I will say, um, so my friend sent me this uh, it's a Twitter post from um, uh, the Athletics, the A's, the Oakland mm-hmm. A's, right? And they have, yeah, I don't know, some, ball, right? some tap room in their Coliseum or whatever. Um, Are they still in Oakland? Are all sports teams leaving Oakland? <laughs> Who knows, man? Um, but it was like they were. It's a photo of the new taps, and and they're bragging about the variety. And it's it says uh, rotating options per series, and then the hashtag rooted in Oakland. And here 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 are the taps. Eight oh five. Which okay, okay, okay. sure. Uh, rooted in Oakland. <laughs> Lagunitas IPA. Heineken. That's closer. Saint Archer IPA. The Budweiser. Mm-hmm. Coors Light. Or St. Archer might be Coors, but... Blue Moon, Coors. Yeah. Good. Hop Valley. Okay. Coors. Coors. Bud Light and Budweiser. Good. All rooted in Oakland. All rooted in Oakland. Right. And then so I tweeted, and there's a bunch of people, uh, 22 people retweeted, but there's just a laundry list of people asking, why aren't you having any sort of local beer at all? Even in in Alameda County, but not just even in Oakland. There's a right. handful of breweries in Oakland that you I, could I have on one tap. Any breweries in Oakland or Alameda that make no. enough beer to do that? No, there's none. Ever. Right. none obviously, it, it makes it makes no sense. It makes absolutely no sense. And they're like, it "Oh, well, we're gonna sense. we're gonna change paid. it a, a little bit." Well, right yeah. for Stadium sure. Stadium sponsorships are part of that illegal pay to play. You're yeah. you're not supposed to be able to pay someone and force them to only well, serve your brand. There's variety. There's three different breweries. There's three different companies <laughs> right. registered or represented in that. But I, I, I guess it's, well, it's, oh, right. it's... They threw Firestone in there. Right. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a positive, I think, because there, there is some pushback from the local craft community. Uh, there is some awareness of all of that, but I wonder if it was just, oh, because I, I love the local brewery, you know, um, instead of, hey, there's a more ominous thing going on here. Yeah. But the craft community is not the majority of beer consumers. And so that's where most of the you money You would think so spent. with all the breweries in the world. Wait. Like, e- I'm saying like the, the educated craft consumer yeah. that knows... Educated is the that, that knows that, that that whole tap list is basically three companies is, is, well, the, right. is the minority of the cash that makes up the sales for that event. And so people are just like, oh, look at, look at the diversity they have here. And so that's where it's an uphill battle with education because I kind of don't think the average beer drinker cares or is going to care that much. That's why I think you have to make it personal. You know, you have to show them it's, it's not just about the beer. It's about what these companies do when they're not brewing beer. And, and I hope you, eventually people will care about, well, you do that by having radio shows like this. Yeah, but me, listeners. And having, you know, Anheuser-Busch logos in your urinals and have a chalkboard up that says these breweries are not independently owned. You know, tell mm-hmm. people. Actively tell people. And explain it. And don't just say, fuck you if you drink Bud. Explain why <laughs> it's important <laughs> that you hmm. not support that brand. You should have a page on your website. We should. I, like, I just with like links to articles. Have a website and... that isn't a complete fucking nightmare too. So <laughs> Web <Yeah>. point oh. <laughs> uh-huh. Would you like to design this website? Uh, Bev will. 
Yeah, start a live journal. Just I think it's a, like, I, a target. I mean, I, I guess why don't more breweries take the time to do this? They're scared. Uh, or of they what? don't have time. Of the repercussions. Are, are you kidding? How many no. people do you think are, are willing to call out other breweries by name? I mean, I guarantee you when I get home, I'm going to get so much shit about that Hop Valley comment. But really? Here's the th- absolutely. But it's true. Why? It is. And it's, and it's worth it because we, we have to start taking a stand. Um, and you're going to hear people saying things like, well, that's not how it is. And, you know, the Anheuser-Busch is great to their employees. And uh, they always have an answer for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe people won't ever care. But that's not a reason to stop trying to make them care. True. I'm trying to just think of a way for like breweries to do a marketing campaign, to, or at least not even a marketing campaign. An ad, if a, only there were some kind informational of campaign of brewers <laughs> right. that had some kind of seal <laughs> that told people well, that a product met certain <clears throat> classifications. But it's. But I think the information needs to be more than that. I think sure, the, but the you average have to start somewhere. Well, but the general public will see the symbol. They don't care, but clearly gonna, they don't care, right? They're going to see that it's on some things and not on others. Yeah, and but when I they see it enough. Maybe that gets them to look it up. Maybe and find out what that difference is. Maybe I, I'm not saying it's a cure, but yeah. I, I think it's a step in the right mm-hmm. direction. Okay, I think the biggest challenge is how how do you establish that differentiation without being viewed as being negative. Well, because I, I think people want yeah. would much are more, much more receptive to that uh, or to learning about this situation if you're not just like they're evil, we're good, you should support us. Right, but I think that that's part of the problem is no one's willing to talk about it because they don't want to sound negative and yeah. they they want to well you know we're all still buddies we all still love each other and everything <laughs> like well guess what I I like some people a little bit less because of who they choose to support and. I think that's important that we don't fully separate people from their companies because that's what keeps it going. Uh, And that was a little roundabout and nonsensical. But uh, let's not be afraid to sound negative because this is a negative thing. Uh, You know, villagers dying of thirst so that someone can put an American brewery in a Mexican village. That's not a happy thing. So how do we put a happy spin on that? Let's not. Let's call it what it is. Oh, I'm not talking about putting a happy spin on that. I'm saying about trying to educate people on what what being an independent brewer means and like saying, hey, if by supporting us, you're helping us employ 50 people in this town. And that that comes down to the conversations you train your bar staff to have, the conversations um, you train your sales staff to have. Uh, the, the conversations and, and just the ethos that you kind of nurture in your business. That's an individual thing, and that's up to the business owner and it's up to the employees. And I think, but, and so that's where I think phrasing the argument and phrasing the education that way is probably going to be more effective than just pointing the finger at all the shitty things. So, what, that what other do you think we do? What do I think we should do? Or how what do, how think- do we phrase it that way? How do, we, how do we do this exactly in the way that you're putting it? Yeah, well, Warren. Smart ass. Bitch, give me answers. Yeah. Do Dave's work for him. <laughs> here, let me fly me up to Corvallis <laughs> and we can talk about it. If me I too. Don't fly down here, I'm not <laughs> flying you up there. I always assume that you don't fly down here because you like riding your motorbike cycle. Yeah. Well, it's like 50 50 of that and it's a lot cheaper. All right. See, there you go. Yeah. You can hop on the back, grab a helmet, and hold on tight. <laughs> hold on tight. Uh, give me a sidecar and I'll, I'll head up with you. Like well, the drinks. Where's the fun in that? 
<laughs> me not having to hold on to you for eight hours. We can go from buddy to real friends real fast <laughs> on the back of that bike. It doesn't have to be eight hours. It can make, he probably can make it in five. It's not going to take me eight hours. <laughs> not with me behind you. It's going to take me eight minutes. Oh. Um, all right. Anything else you want to say, Dave? We still have a little bit uh, left on your outline. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess all I would want to say is, for the most part is, like, can you guys start giving a shit? <laughs> Please? <laughs> Who is you guys? Uh, all beer drinkers, all craft beer enthusiasts, home brewers, and, and all people that actually, whether they just want to value independent business or they do actually value independent business, put your money where your mouth is. And it doesn't have to be supporting me. Support someone. Support someone who is an independent business that shares your values, your moral code. Get out there and do it and stop making excuses and stop buying the shit that doesn't do that. That's it. That's the only way we win this fight. Period. That, that's done. That's all. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, brew things other than IPA. Sure. I mean, how much time do we have? <laughs> no, you got all the time in the world. I just, I, I, I just want to make sure too. we're hitting everything that you want yeah. like yeah, to talk I about because this is your show. Uh, well, it's our show, JP. It's our <laughs> well, little show, baby. Sure. Um, you know, you've, you've talked a lot about how IPAs are ruining craft beer, and I don't think IPAs are ruining craft beer, but I think the lack of diversity in styles certainly isn't helping it. Um, when you see a tap list that's... 15, 20, 25 IPAs and a couple other beers. Yeah. Uh, you turn a lot of people off. And I think this, in part, is uh, part of the reason that so many millennials and younger people are turning towards mixed drinks and wine, which is not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. But I, I think a lot of that happens because they walk in and they see 30 fucking IPAs. And they don't want to drink an IPA. So guess what? They order a gin and tonic. So yeah. be creative. Well, with- and, and I, I would take it a little bit further than that. I, I think you're, you're, you're drawing a lot of people in. You are turning people away. But I think your, your consumer base is, is higher maybe than the people you're turning away. Mm-hmm. But I think the people you're turning away are the diehard craft beer fans who have yes. been supporting the local breweries and doing this whole scene, actually helping to yeah. grow craft in general and, and being uh, uh, knowledge-based uh, uh, interactions with people at BevMo yeah. or whatever, right? Like, hey, just kind of educating people and helping everybody drink better beer. Those are the people you're turning off. You're turning off people like me, for sure. I don't drink nearly as much beer as I as I used to when I go out because it's just shit that I don't like. And I know what I like. At this point, I'm a 40-year-old man. I know what I like and I know what I don't like. And I'm not going to sit and drink a beer that I don't necessarily want just to drink a beer. Yeah. And those, like, I'm not drinking a beer right now because you didn't fucking bring any. And that's it. I'm not because I'm uninterested in anything leaving. else that's yeah. going on. I so, thought we were buddies. Can I get a job at Golden Road? <laughs> Apparently now we're just friends. Right, okay. Uh, but but I think that's where it is. I think I think the, the more IPAs and the more, quote, variants on IPAs, you turn you, you might get new people in, but you're turning away people who helped the movement become yeah. where it is. Mm-hmm. And then without people like us. Just, it's going to fall apart as soon as the IPA fad is over. We are truly humanity's last hope. Um, Send I, us I, to a new planet to repopulate. Dude, we're wow, yeah, you right. guys sound so important uh, right now. Well, but I don't know if you knew this, Warren, but we are. Oh. Good. Um, yeah, I, I don't. And the other thing is, I think people are afraid that if they don't have 10 or 15 IPAs, that they're going to lose the IPA nuts. You won't. Have five killer IPAs on. Have it be a huge chunk of your tap list. Rotate them out. Change them. That's going to keep your hop heads happy. Yeah. Speaking of that, 
Drakes. Go to drinkdrakes.com. They do a bunch of IPAs, but they also do a bunch of other different styles. And that's what I really appreciate about Drakes going out uh, because I know, number one, you're going to get a good beer. And number two, if they have more than one beer, because let's be honest, it's usually going to be an IPA, then there's going to be something else. If and that beer's going to be good. Pale 31 being gone, 1500 still might 1500 be good. right there, baby. Uh, but yeah, drink Drake's. Check them out whenever you're around, whenever you see good beer, especially in the Bay Area. Hit them up. Uh, they're good people. They support the show and they make good beer. But yes, and and that's what I've talked to uh, people that I know at breweries that that do the you know have done hazy IPAs. Or you, I think I told you this last time I was there. I I hate the fact that you did it. <laughs> but I understand because you need to make money, and that's the hot thing. But what makes it okay is that you have a wide portfolio of different beers. So it's not just, oh, well, here, it's, we're 100% cloudy IPAs now. That's all we do is IPAs because yeah. that's what pays the bills. You you understand that there are people out there who like other things. And this is that, you know, we'll use Flat Tail as a good example, I hope. No, <laughs> you know, you, let's you look not at get our, too far ahead of ourselves. It's an I'll example. Use, I'll use Flat Tail as a mediocre example. Yeah, um, perfect. You know, we have a three or four sours on the menu. Yeah. We have two or three IPAs. We have a Kolsch. We have a an Irish Red. Uh, what the fuck else do I have on tap? Anything stouty or portery? Uh, yeah, we've got a coconut uh, chocolate porter on nitro. We, we've got a wide variety of beers. If you can't find any style on our menu that you like, you probably don't really like beer that much. And... We've recently, as I mentioned earlier, gotten way more into IPAs, and we are doing that to make money because we have to make money to stay in business. That's kind of how it works. Yeah. Um, But that doesn't mean I'm changing my entire tap list to IPAs. We're going to do two or three at a time, and we're going to knock them out of the park. Well, then how do I get them if they're out and I'm in the park? And they're out of the park. How get do the I fuck out of the park? <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, are you allowed in parks? I mean. <laughs> well, it depends on how many animals <laughs> are around. <laughs> well, by in you mean across the street with binoculars. Yeah. Always back to the Clydesdales. <laughs> um, and you know the the other big thing that I see is uh, style confusion. And I know I I hate to keep agreeing with JP. It makes me feel dirty <laughs> and just dark on the inside. Thank you. But <laughs> you can make your hot fermented pilsner. Call it a hot fermented pilsner. Thank you. Because I'm gonna give Warren some credit on this yeah. too. Warren, Warren is definitely my absolutely. soundboard and my he is my Robin oh, to yeah. my Batman when I, it comes to style creep and you bullshit do like that, that kind of thing, huh? Well, I guess yeah. I'm Robin. We, I, I was gonna ask. <laughs> you might be Bobbin later if you know what I'm trying to say. What? <laughs> huh? Dick joke. I don't know. Mm. Anyway, um, yeah, you know what? <laughs> As I was saying, yeah. warm pilsners. Uh, back when we started brewing a Kolsch, yeah. uh, you know, that was a style that I fell in love with at Oregon Trail, uh, one of the first breweries I worked at. And uh, Dave Wills is an awesome guy, and I owe him a ton. But one of the things that drove me mad was that there was this Great Western two-row and wheat pale ale, and it was called a Kolsch. <laughs> and uh, I, I never liked the beer. Sounds like, great. That's yeah. weird because I love German style. So I started <laughs> researching Kolsch, and all of a sudden I realized, like, this isn't a fucking Kolsch. And I thought I hated that style of beer Ooh. because I had an example that in no way related to that style of beer. And we saw that with breweries in Oregon for years. We had a nightmare pushing our Kolsch because people would come in and they would say, no, I, I don't like that. I had this one from Bend. It was like, well... Not to be a dick, but that beer has nothing to do with the style of beer you think you hate. So when you try a hot fermented Pilsner and it's super fruity and it's got American hops in it, 
and you don't like super fruity hoppy beers, you're going to think you don't like Pilsner anymore. Right. And that that snowballs. Mm -hmm. And when people are confused about what they're drinking, that's when they just say, fuck it, give me the golden road. Exactly. Because I know what it tastes like, and it's consistent, or a Stella, even. I know so many people who go, well, I like a Stella when there's nothing else available. Really? Okay, fine. But I think more and more people will fall back on... Those kind of beers, those macro McDonald's of beer world. Absolutely. Because I think IPA that. is the fallback at, so, at a craft brewery. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's IPA is the fallback instead of Stella or Bud or yeah. something like that. And it's not that you can't brew these new, you know, the Hot Pilsner, the Cloudy IPA, the Pale Ale with no hops and some wheat. Maybe we can not brew that one. Um, <laughs> the Pale Ale with a lot of hops just, and no malt. Right. Just, That's the just, new thing. Uh, I actually kind of dig that sometimes. It's not a Pale Ale. Raise oh, your mash temp. You, you mean the session the IPA? Maltiness. Yeah. <sighs> it's not a Pale Ale. You can't you can't sit here and We're rail so uh, rail well. against warm fermenting lagers and then and then try to go well this is how you can sneak I in a pale ale can. and call it a pale you ale but why? it's not a pale ale because the last time I brought beer to this show you loved my George Cones pale ale uh, did I love it Warren do you I remember that I loved I it you tolerated my George Cones pale ale I just, it was fun I just yeah. remember the mouth beer exploding all over the desk that's can what we, I remember can we get past that? <laughs> <laughs> I think it tasted fine it tasted ben like a fine beer that, then. <laughs> no she didn't okay. but I don't know if it's a pale ale I don't think it would call like it a pale ale why not American pale ale. I don't ale even remember the beer, so let's make that 100 percent clear. Why don't you remember clear. the things that are important to me? How many years ago was it? Maybe this Let is, me feel my feelings. Maybe this is why he didn't bring beer because you don't remember it. <laughs> was that like four years ago? Too. Probably. I don't know. Time means nothing to me. It's all one big blurry nightmare. Um, <laughs> I think way. Justin's feet were healthy you know, when, it, by the last time you brought <laughs> beer in. He could still feel his feet. <laughs> yeah. oh. I hate to be or, that shoe shine boy. Or feel your feet for that matter. Um. Well, that might have happened before a couple of festivals ago. Anyway, uh, you know, you can make a 100% two-row pale ale that's got a ton of hop aroma, and it can have plenty of body and plenty of malt flavor. Just don't use shitty domestic two-row. Sure. Mash higher, and you can use six pounds per barrel. Right. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. The, the hop water trend is gross. Yeah. And um, I honestly think that has less to do with the hops and more to do with poor loudering techniques. Um, but that's that's another. So you're not a fan of the brute IPA thing that's starting. I'm actually brewing one in two weeks. <laughs> uh, but here's well, the thing. But it's hop water, uh, and this is something I picked up originally from. I think it was Iron Springs, uh-huh. uh, independent chain of brew pups. Mm-hmm. He was talking about not being afraid of of uh, kettle sparging. Kettle sparging basically being adding water to your kettle. The logic here mm-hmm. is as you're loudering. People think, I don't want to add water because that's a shittier ingredient. I'm going to dilute the beer down. Well, guess what? When you're sparging and your gravity gets below 1020, that's inferior wort. That wort is not as good as the 1030, the 1040, the 1050 wort. When you get down below 1015, it gets even worse. And the popular knowledge is that you can sparge down to, I think it's 1008 to Plato is where most people say you should cut off. Mm-hmm. Warren? You think uh, I've, that's, I've heard somewhere... I've heard different numbers between, okay. say, like four and two, basically. Sure. Yeah. The uh, the Iron Springs argument was that wort degradation really starts at 1020 and really becomes noticeable at 1014. Mm-hmm. And yeah. since we have cut off our runnings and kettle sparged, if needed, at 1014, our beer quality has massively improved. So this Brute IPA thing, great. Bone dry, aromatically hoppy, low bitterness. That sounds like something I can get behind. I'm going to throw a bunch of mango from Oregon fruit products into ours. Yeah. But we're going to cut those runnings off 
at probably ten sixteen, maybe even ten eighteen. Because and then, and then you add water, you top up your yeah, boil kettle, top it with water, okay. and drive the alcohol with a, an incredibly vigorous fermentation. Uh, you know, we have this eighteen percent alcohol mind bender of a beer we're about to release. It, it has ninety one percent apparent attenuation. The thing finished at ten twelve, I believe, and it's an eighteen wow. percent alcohol beer. There's no excuse for poor attenuation. It, it, it's not something that just happens by chance. It's something that happens because of bad brewing practices. Mm-hmm. Is that so, something that attenuation went up doing the kettle sparging, or is that unrelated? Uh, no, I, I'm kind of getting off off topic. Right there. <laughs> oh, okay. uh, anyway, I think the hop water thing <laughs> is really because you're tasting lots of tannic grain uh, notes from over sparging coupled with high bitterness in a sure. low finishing gravity. You yeah. can't have all three of those. You can have one, maybe two, but you can't have all three of those. Yeah. Hop water. <laughs> Love it. Hop water. Yeah. Uh, well, look at that. Homebrew information after all. Yeah, I had to get some in there. <laughs> right. Um, okay, Dave, we're going to take a break. Sounds delicious. And then we're going to come back. We can wrap stuff up. We're going to make you read your uh, bad beer reviews. Oh, that's mm-hmm. right. We're going to do the Twitter mm-hmm. game. We're going to end on a high note. <laughs> we're we're going to end on a high note. we to talk about, too. Don't forget uh, that's that. right. That's mm-hmm. true. That's true. Okay, so here we go. We're going to take a break. And uh, we're going to come back. We're going to do all the things I just mentioned. Dave is still going to be here. Hopefully, uh, the rafters aren't exposed, so he should survive the show. And we'll be back. Listening to the Brewcasters. Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and freshest ingredients and the best customer service in the business. Check out their brand new patent-pending mash and boil 110-volt electric mashing and boiling unit. This compact all-stainless unit lets you mash, sparge, and boil just about anywhere that has a 110-volt plug. Double-wall construction adds to efficiency and safety, and a precise thermostat keeps temperatures where you want them. Unlike insulated buckets and converted coolers, multiple temperature rest mashing is easy to do all for under 300 bucks they also feature the mark ii work pump a magnetic drive high temperature pump that does the work of pumps that cost twice as much as well as exclusive brewers edge regulators and quality keg king kegs and disconnects check them out today at williamsbrewing.com to bruise their vast selection with over 20 years of experience making world-class craft beer and more than 100 gold medals in international competitions moylan's brewing company is not just a pretty face in craft beer. Just ask Brendan Moylan. What do we got here? The beer of the hour. Moylan's, gotta love that big M. It's like a sign of awesomeness. It's got an extra kick to it. Let's pour this bad boy. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, Moylan's. The end of the night when the kids are finally in bed, the wife's in bed, (laughs) nobody's bothering your ass anymore. That's Moylan's time. Moylan's is for you. It's to help you out. It helps me out. What? Well, because it's freaking awesome. Northern California brewed. It's brewed with love. With love? Oh, yeah. Tremendous. And it's always best where? Moylan's. You've got to try it on tap at Moylan's. 
in Novato. They're freaking awesome. Not only because I own the brewery, because I love the beer. Cheers! Boom! Kilt Lifter Scotch Ale takes big beers to a whole new level with rich malt balanced perfectly with delicate hops and now comes in four-pack tall boy cans so you can take the party on the go. Or come to the brewery, take a tour, and try any of Moylan's fresh creations right from the source. Check them out at Moylan's.com. Hey, my Bruin brothers and sisters, this is Jamel Zanisha, and I want to tell you about Heretic Evil Twin. You might be familiar with my homebrew recipe, which uses massive late hopping to create a balance between the malty sweet and the hoppy bitter, along with an outrageous malt and hop character. I wanted a beer with the same bold hop and malt character, so we played around with the homebrew recipe until we were able to make a great commercial version, too. We've created a beer rich in malt character, full of caramel, toast, biscuit, and an ever-so-subtle roast note. On top of that, we piled in an insane amount of citra and Columbus hops at the end of the boil, as well as in dry hopping. This damn-the-cost approach to hopping gives Heretic's Evil Twin a great blast of citrus and tropical fruit that can't be matched by any other hop. The result is a bold, malty, hoppy, but easy-drinking beer. This is our top seller, our flagship beer, and I couldn't be prouder of it. Cheers. To find Heretic Beers near you, click on Find Some at hereticbrewing.com. If you work in retail sales, the restaurant industry, or are a new craft beer enthusiast, or you know someone who is, you have got to check out Beer 101. Beer 101 is an online course created for anyone wanting a quick introduction to the vast world of craft beer. Beer 101 covers the history of beer, brewing ingredients and processes, vital stats like ABV, SRM, IBU and gravity, styles, tasting, glassware, and pairing beer with food. The Beer 101 course is offered by the Brewers Association at craftbeer.com, also home to the truly awesome Beer Style Finder, a visual guide to every beer style. Quickly play with color, bitterness, and alcohol content to interactively explore the entire world of beer styles with a gorgeously designed interface to your favorite beverage. The new Beer 101 course and new Beer Style Finder are only available at craftbeer.com. Craftbeer.com, celebrating the best of American beer. The Brewcasters are back. It is beer. Whatever. Hey, thanks for sticking around, everybody. We are on the final end of this journey that we call the session. The final end. The final. Yeah, this is it. This is our last show. I we've forgot had, to tell everybody. We've had other ends. Yeah, well, it's true. This is the last show ever on the Brute Network, and you, we have your rights to listen to any podcast you you want. We own those rights, so you can never listen to another radio show as long as the. You're welcome. Unless you pay us a million dollars. Um, also, Heads and Tails is recording next week. Heads so. and Tails is recording next week with um, um, Seven Stills out of yes. San Francisco, California. Right. They are guys. going to bring in, uh, if you remember, they were on the show a couple years ago, maybe last yeah. year, year before. Are we going to tell them that they were one of the, the reasons that we started thinking about doing the Heads and Tails podcast? If, if, you, if you want to lie to them. Oh, okay. No, I don't know. <laughs> um, but they are the ones who brew beer and then and then distill it. And then uh, they are. Uh, we asked yeah. them at the time if they had any beer. They, oh yeah, but at the tap room. But they are bringing beer in as well, so we can. We're going to be able to do side by side. We're going to taste the beer and oh. the spirit made from that beer. Major, oh nice. Yeah, I'm pretty stoked about it. Uh, but anyway, before we get back to Dave. <clears throat> 
Did you know that IPAs are the most popular craft beer style in the U.S.? If you're looking to brew an IPA that's not like all the rest, check out Dick Cantwell's newest book, Brewing Eclectic IPA, Pushing the Boundaries of India Pale Ale. Award-winning brewer Cantwell includes 25 original IPAs and categorizes over 200 unique ingredients to spice up your IPA. From papaya to peppercorn, beets to bog myrtle, and even cannabis, where legally available, of course, there are recipes for all levels of brewing experience. Order your copy of Brewing Eclectic IPA today. <laughs> Bev. Oh, here's a note. Bev sent me a note, of a, a live read, and she just wrote, I, I lied. Read this. Uh, Pushing the Boundaries of India uh, Pale Ale by Dick Cantwell includes 25... Includes 25 on Brewer's Publications. I'm, I'm assuming. Recipes. Uh, includes 25 recipes on Brewer'sPublications.com. That's probably my fault for uh, uh, not doing that properly. Not the Brewer's Association, but check it out. Uh, Dick Cantwell, Brewing Eclectic IPA. That man is basically the Luke Skywalker of independent breweries, by the way. Everyone doesn't know that already. He got his hand cut off. He's whiny. Uh, when Elysian was bought uh, out, he was the only one on the board that voted against the sale, and then he quit. I believe it was three months later. Guy lost a lot of money by making that decision, but he oh, did it because it was the right thing to do. Awesome. He lost a lot of money, but they sold, and he Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that there was some kind of retainer value in there. Oh, because he left wow. early. Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I, I would be absolutely blown away if they didn't have... A, a huge retainer bonus to keep the brewery sure. operations manager on board. Right. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's uh, <clears throat> that's crazy. Speaking of the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. Oh. Segway King. Uh, HomebrewCon is coming up. Right. Shortly next month, I believe. Right. June. Yes. So uh, I think you can still register. Registration's still open. I, I wonder how so. hotels are, but Portland has so many hotels, man. You can just you can find a place to yeah. walk up. Yeah. If you're if you're um, willing to to Uber a little bit or walk a little bit, you'll find somewhere. I prefer Lyft because they treat their employees a lot better. You got a or the porch to sleep under. Okay. <laughs> you have a porch to sleep under? Yeah. Dogs will keep you coming. Yeah, there are lots of bridges so in wanna, Portland. Yeah, commute yeah. from Corvallis to uh, to uh, Portland. Yeah, you drive all the way, way down here. <laughs> you <laughs> well, it's drive not that to far, Portland. is it? It's, it's like an hour and a half. A couple hours? Yeah. 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 It's not that far. Let's get hammered at HomebrewCon and then drive an hour and a half down to five. <laughs> hey, sober up. To sleep under a porch. Yeah. If I went today, I wouldn't go to HomebrewCon. I would just stay there. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. But HomebrewCon right. is going to be really exciting. I'm looking forward to it, and uh, you should be too. So yeah. uh, check it out. Go to the AHA website. Check out HomebrewCon. Uh, uh, re- uh, reserve, not re- register. Thank you. My brain, man, is not working tight as it should right now. You need to pound that Thai iced tea. I really do. I'm, I'm tired. I, flowing. I, burn out my, I burn out my brain on, uh, on uh, writing jokes about Dave's terrible font. You should stop. Because they're not that good. Um, anyway. <laughs> Neither is your makeup today, Beverly. <sighs> That's like, because I did it in a studio office with terror. Whatever. Okay. Go ahead. Continue. The please. cameras worked the way I needed them to right away. I wouldn't have had to <clears throat> rush it. That was mean. Um, I also wanted to say that we have selected a, uh, what do you call it, uh, um, location for BNA 10, <laughs> you know, two, whatever two hands you know, this. opened up side by side, <laughs> going up and scared. down is not necessarily indicative of many things. We selected one of these. Yeah. BNA 13 is happening. Tickets will go on sale soon. Oh, really? That yeah. was all I had to say. How soon is soon? Suck my dick. <laughs> wow. Uh, Suck my dick. Like we, we're not. not announcing the location, I imagine? 
I don't is it think a secret? So. Okay. Well, I, I don't actually remember. What I'll have a lot of beer. I remember what it is. To buy for if we that. can say it, I could say. No, we can say it. We oh. pay the deposit. It's, 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 well, it's I, a bis- I don't know that you. We, I mean, I, okay, I don't, don't know if Justin don't. wants us to. Then oh. don't. Okay, fine. But I don't. You know what? I don't care. Say whoever it is. But what does Justin think? Who cares? He's not here. It's at Base Camp Brewing Company. Whoa! Hey, yeah, that's you heard not it here first. <laughs> Warren Billets with the scoop. <laughs> this just in. Yeah. Warren fucked everything up. Yeah. Don't tell Justin. <laughs> we had to repeal the check. Uh, that's great. Sounds great. Everyone yeah. plan on doing things. Uh, what day is it? Is it Saturday? Uh, it's Saturday. Saturday. Um, and I heard that they actually are shutting down the street, and so it's going to be a whole oh, outdoor, it's like a whole outdoor party beer situation. festival yeah. thing. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I tried to book an axe thrower, but because <laughs> it's I Portland. have you covered. <laughs> No, not, I can do I know this. A guy. not you. You no. are nowhere near. But he was booked, so I'm How trying to find other. Uh, I guarantee other you, in Portland, Oregon, you can find more than one axe thrower. I, I just. I mean, uh, I think it's, he was like the axe thrower, and he might be the axe thrower that's willing to throw axes in a place accepted. where alcohol is being served. Can I have an axe fight with this guy? No. I mean, we, no. What, do you, what, do you, what do you call that? Let's let's buy a website, the other axe thrower, and then it just goes to your page. I can throw axes, sure. Yeah. Not guaranteed to hit anything. <laughs> yeah. Wait, wait, wait. There was no mention of accuracy here. No. Oh, right. No. The handle hits the stump or whatever. Oh, I threw an axe. Did I not throw? I guaranteed throwing. Yeah. What is my name? The axe thrower. Okay. <laughs> not the stump hitter with an axe. <laughs> right. Yeah. Name sucks anyway. <laughs> That's true. You know what doesn't suck, though, Dave? Well, you probably don't. But Beersmith. Go to Beersmith.com. They have a 21-day free trial of the best, and I mean it, the best homebrewing recipe software in existence. Check it out. Free for 21 days. And guaranteed it'll change your life, man. Change everything you knew about anything. Guaranteed. Yeah, I guarantee it. Um, okay, Dave. Let's wrap up your segment, unless you're done already. What do you want to talk about? You want to talk about scarcity? I saw that. You want to talk? You want to shit on IPAs again with me? Because that'd be fun. Yeah, we I wish Tasty was here to, ta- to to listen to that warm lager yeah. thing because it's something that Warren and I have been talking about forever. Has Flat Tail done a warm lager? Uh, like on purpose? <laughs> <laughs> well, I know there's a glycol chiller situation that's where you, bingo, you did some bingo, warm lagers. That's the but, most yeah. Flat Tail ant- question <laughs> yeah. I've ever heard in my entire life. Yeah, we had a uh, an American light lager. Um, fermenting when our glycol system went down for the umpteenth time in the first six months we had it and thankfully it was kind of at the tail end of fermentation so it only got up to like high 60s um and it basically became a jenny cream clone which uh i'm totally fine with okay nothing wrong with a little genesee cream ale that's a good but, uh you know we we explained that in the description like, <laughs> hey, this is a lager that fermented too warm which as it so happens fits the style of classic american cream ale perfectly so enter the cream ale you yeah. know and uh customers were stoked about it i think they kind of like that story you know we've we've had brewers accidentally double the roasted barley content that doesn't mean you have to dump the beer if it's still a great beer just be honest about it. Yes, right. And truth in advertising is important on both sides. Have I ever told you about my rant about session IPAs being classified as pale ales? <laughs> you mean have you from told 10 me minutes about it? Or you mean like, have, have I you screamed it screamed at you? In my face <laughs> yeah. over and over have and I, over again. Have I basically screamed in your butthole? Yes. Session yes, IPAs are not pale ales. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Right. I disagree, but you know, <laughs> you're a piece <laughs> of shit. You know the last the last big one that I think is really really honestly hurting craft beer and slow food and everything that this, matters in this world. This show, 
and the, the Kardashians. The Those second, two things. The third <laughs> okay. thing that what is, is really damaging our industry uh, is social media. Oh. And social media, specifically social media rating websites. God, I feel like Dave has basically mm. just coalesced all of like Warren and I's yeah. bitching over the last several years. And then yeah, you guys might be shitty people, but you're onto a couple things. Thank you. very Grandpa much. Dave over here. Yeah. Get off my fucking lawn. Yeah. <laughs> I drank water from the hose and yeah. I survived. I, I think untapped and, and beer advocate, all those sites have so much potential to be this amazing thing, mm-hmm. but there are no constraints. And you put people in the driver's seat that should not have their license. (laughs) Uh, You know, when you rate a beer and you say shitty one star, what do you think is going to come of that review? Right. What positive outcome could possibly happen? The point of a review site is to help other customers make make an informed decision. On that product, go to yeah. Amazon. Not that it's the best, but they have the rating. Any other site right. will have that. Uh, you know, Netflix even has a lot of flaws, but for the most part, you have to at least. Now they've changed it, where Nets the thumbs up, thumbs down, but you can still rate shows. Yeah. But you have to at least write eighty characters Perfect. before you can do that. And for a beer rating website, and Beer Advocate has done a great job, I believe. I haven't been on there in like a year. But uh, the last time I checked, I think there was a both a minimum character count, mm-hmm. and I believe they kind of pre-fill some categories for you. I mean, you're all hmm. that. But you know, if you're rating a beer and you don't mention how it looks, how it smells, how it tastes, and how it feels on your palate, why are you writing a review? You're, right. you're not. You're, you're wasting not your time. A review. To you're be just fair. shouting. I know that there. I've talked to a few people that use Untapped in the various uh, websites more as a essentially a journal, not necessarily as a Yelp. Sure, but if you're using it as a journal, don't put a star rating next to it. Just I would write make a comment. It public just write to a com- everyone else. Or you don't even need to make a comment. I don't know how they. I don't know if you can make an untapped account where you you review beers privately. Yes, you, you can. can? Oh. You can make private accounts. Oh, okay. Uh huh. So well, you're, there you you're go. just wrong. That's cool. Though. Well, no, those. <laughs> I'm saying these are. This is what people tell yeah. me when I say, "Yeah, yeah it's real dumb how people will do essentially what you're awesome, talking about." Yeah, that's an awesome thing. Well, I, I, I can't remember a beer that I've ever had. I can't remember a beer that I've ever seen on a on a board and not remembered if I enjoyed it or not. Hmm. And I don't know if that's just me because I'm a genius. I'm a brilliant young man who's only 40 years old. The in the mind prime of an of life. elephant. Right. Yes. Thank you very much. Um, but um, I've, I've, I've never run across that. Where, like, I know I've had that beer, and I can reasonably determine if, if that was a good beer okay. or if I, if I want to have it again or if I don't. I, I don't understand journaling for if it. If you're drinking 20 different beers a week like some people do, you want to record that, and you want to remember things, and you want to yeah. see what other people yeah. thought about it. But that's that's the thing. You, you have to have thoughts. Oh, <laughs> oh wait, that's thoughts required? <laughs> that's probably my problem. I know. Mm. Thinking is hard. Fuck. But, so know, it's having friends. I don't know. At, at a beer festival, well, it could come in handy you when you're just doing tasters and doing it a lot that, back That's another back. one. Please, yeah, but, for the love of Christ, do not post a beer review based on a one-ounce taster out of a shot glass. <laughs> from a glass that hasn't been rinsed from the last 12 yeah, beers. Right, that you've carried into it. the porta potty yeah. several times. <laughs> yeah. You're reviewing a car that you looked at. It's not the same. And, yeah. you know, give a little background. Looks right? like it go fast. <laughs> <laughs> Five stars. Right. You know, if you're going to, if you think your beer review means something, make it mean something. Talk about actual qualitative aspects of the beer accurately or as accurately as you can and give some background on yourself too. you know, hey, 
I'm a home brewer. I'm a brewer. I'm a not in every judge. review, please. Not right, in every yeah. review. Have a profile, page. right? And there should be some kind of rating system for the raters, honestly, yeah. because you find so many people that just you know shitty, great, amazing, sucks. That doesn't help anything. And here's here's yeah. here's uh, interesting concept. If you rev- if the only place you have to go to buy beer is a Bevmo which is traditionally very terrible on storing beers. They store yep. beers warm. Um, should your beer reviews even be counted? Like, you know what I mean? Where do we draw the line and, in, 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 in the, the access to quality beer that a reviewer has? And, and that's where I think a required section should be, where did you get the beer? Mm-hmm. How was it stored? And there is some allowance for that. Like with untapped, there's a, you you can say where you're. You can where, mm. right. It's not required, yeah. right? But but you do have the option <laughs> to, be like, to, to to say where you got it and how and well, what format. And and should those reviews then be weighted differently? Absolutely. You know, we constantly. I, I just I think it was four or five months ago. I got a review for licentious goat double IPA consumed in a bottle in New York. Okay. Right. I haven't uh, bottled that double IPA. For five years. <laughs> it was, I think, the fourth beer we ever bottled out Jeez. of well over 30. And and you, the guy was like, this tastes like shit. One star. And that brought my rating down on that beer. You <laughs> should. Can you fight those? Can you email the thing? And be like, dude, we haven't. Yeah, sure. Do you want to make all the beer? I mean, if, if we're commenting on every single comment, no, no, yeah. well, well, yeah, it just there, there are thousands. I mean, I think I, we have close to two hundred thousand online reviews for our beer. So really, yeah. Untapped has been fairly responsive because there's been a couple of times where I've noticed I've caught people still reviewing uh, the Weizenbach collaboration that we did over oh, a year awesome. ago. Yeah, uh, even though we haven't had a keg in mm-hmm. nearly a year. A couple months ago, someone reviewed it on Untapped. How I got a because like, they can autofill whatever beer they yeah. want from your from your tap list. We get reviews for beers we don't brew all the time. I, I just noticed that we had this new beer called Bupkis. <laughs> Never made that. Yeah, got like twenty <laughs> reviews for it. You should have you should have honestly like a social media manager or like a part time like one of the bartenders. Whenever there's no work to do, they should go and like we used try to, to guy do the thing. Uh, Untapped is like, responsive to correcting yeah, those no, things. Okay, is well, great good. with that. Yeah. That's the, good. The problem is again, it's, it's just one of those things that I small breweries don't have time for. Right. We used to pay a guy in beer. We'd drop him a couple of cases, and he'd go on Untapped and get drunk and consolidate all of our page stuff and it was great but uh we don't have that anymore so God. enjoy your bupkis <laughs> <laughs> enjoy i look all good that beer sounds like a five-star beer ship me beer i'll do it i need beer dude um okay well social media fuck it so what do you do how do you how do you well it's another thing that's in the, it's a thing that's I mean, not gonna go away yeah it's not gonna go away it's in the hands of the consumer just be better you know if you want to that seems very passive though there's got to be something you can do to make I could like light myself on fire. I mean that's been effective in some cultures. All right. <laughs> and then it'll be popular on social media for a little bit. Yeah. There we go. We have our solution. Someone I, will rate how the, the, the how well you die. He could have burned a little <laughs> longer. Yeah. Too crispy. The, the char factor was really <laughs> underwhelming. Yeah. yeah. The screaming um, hurt my ears. <laughs> I do have a high-pitched screen. Four yeah. to five stars. Yeah, and, and there was some clipping. The mic guy could have done a little better. <laughs> Best immolation ever. Three stars. <laughs> right. I, I don't think it's it's something. That, this is one that I'm completely hopeless on, to be honest. Okay. I, and I think this is really more just a call to, if you think you're a, a good beer drinker, if you think you're an educated beer drinker, help other people 
be that way too. Make educated reviews. And that doesn't mean you have to say this is exactly what it tasted like. Say this is what I interpreted the, this as. And and this is, you know, for even trained beer judges too, one of the worst things I see on scorecards is like this tasted like grapefruit. Don't say it tasted like grapefruit. Say it tasted like the last time you had a fresh squeezed salty dog at a bar. Tell people about a memory or an association that you have, because that's so much more powerful than just using, you know, blase descriptors. Make your description interesting, and it's going to paint a word picture for the person reading it. And mm-hmm. those people are going to read your reviews more. They're going to get more out of them. And other people will see those reviews and say, hey, I should write my stuff like that. See, I would say the opposite. Yeah. I would say don't use so that's many relying. fucking words. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? You're not... Um, you're not Stephen King or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, just tell me, tell me what you thought of the beer. Worst I don't need to radio know, show ever. I don't need to know your life history. Four stars. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to know your life history. I don't need to know. Uh, and then in playing the, in in in, in uh, combing res, uh, yeah, reviews for this history. game. It can be no, one there's so many. Taste, like, aroma, I bought this. It was each. a sunny day, and like, no, just just tell me. But first of all, I'm not that type of guy. If I'm going to go on, uh, if I'm going to go to the store, I'm not going to read the, whatever app it is to rate beers and then and then judge my purchase on what other people. People have said I'm not that person, and I wonder how many people actually there are out there like that. I wonder if the beer rating sites and rating sites in general, for whatever I don't know whatever they are, um, are just a just to collect. They're a funnel, but they don't necessarily go anywhere. There's just a bucket for people to vomit into. Yeah, I wonder well, how many people course. use it as a reference to choose a beer. And I, I don't know if that is that, you that can would be an interesting that. metric, but yeah, I don't know how you do. I, I do know that mm-hmm. we hear customers uh, constantly talking about, oh, I saw this was rated high on Untapped, or we see them rating our beers really? on Untapped while they're sitting yeah. at the bar. Oh, yeah. all the time. Yeah. Huh. It's like, becoming well, the Yelp mm-hmm. of the beer world. Not too bad. Yeah. And what what the main thing I don't like about Untapped, or I guess it's any rating site where you have a numeric scale like one to five. Yeah, let's not get specific, but yeah, yeah. yeah right. But but the scale one to five, like yeah. just pick that. Everyone has a comfortability range of where they comfortability. like of where they like to review. Like, oh, I don't want to give a beer a one, so I'm going to go like two and four, mm-hmm. and all of the beers I ever taste are in that range. Mm-hmm. Other people are like, they don't go below a four, or other people are, I don't go above two and a half. Mm. And it's just their personal preference. And it's like, well, that that's great for you, but that affects, for the people that do care about Untapped and those scores, all of that variation can greatly affect people's reviews or, or perceived sure. value of that beer. Yeah. yeah, and if you haven't had a one and a five in the last year, you're not drinking beer. Well, and you're not using the scale right. properly. Like that's really True. more it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've had I've had a couple of one beers, you know, yeah. that I would score a one. Yeah. Um, but they're few and far between. Right. But but people, I don't think, I don't think are using the extremes of the scale properly. I yeah, I, I'm, yeah. I'm agreeing with you. Yeah. yeah. So we need education on what numbers mean. Also, numbers mean things. And stuff. Speaking of meaning things and stuff. <clears throat> Dave. Oh, God. Are you ready to read your oh. beer reviews? Yeah, let's do this thing. <laughs> so I've driven, Could you sound more excited I've about I've drawn it? lines Boom. to like help segment them out. They're, they're grouped relatively within the same... Why do the all these same... lines look like penises? Because <laughs> mm. they're actual just dick pics. Um, so go ahead and just <laughs> just go ahead and read. Just read the first one and, uh, you know, let's, let's hear about your real world reviews on your beers. Uh, all right. 
February 9th, 2017. Ooh. Undated bottle at 42 degrees into a hand-washed and dried J.K. snifter. <laughs> allowed to warm to 50 degrees. Aroma. Coffee and chocolate. The chocolate disappears quickly, and the coffee weakens. Head. Average. Maximum 2.1 centimeters. Of head? I can't do this anymore. Uh, <clears throat> 2.1. That's actually what it says. It says 2. fucking 1. Yeah. 2.1 centimeters, because he's got his goddamn ruler out. This Aggressive like, pour. This sounds like the re- review you were asking for earlier. Light <laughs> it really does. <laughs> you guys were right. Thank you. Frothy. Low density. And apparently has a fucking spectrophotometer out, too. And short retention, diminishing to a three millimeter frothy ring. Uh, By the way, the 2.1 centimeter has now diminished to three millimeters. millimeters. And a thin ephemeral partial layer. (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) Overall, kind of like drinking a McDonald's iced coffee, except warmer. What? So this person is like... I'm not done yet. Like super articulate, but then they're also clearly somebody who goes to McDonald's. <laughs> good, good observation. This is for your 6 a.m. stout, I believe. This yeah. is the comic book collector from The Simpsons writing this review. This is the Scrabble um, champion of the trailer park. On the Porter Stout spectrum... Uh, Apparently there's a spectrum of Porter Stout. This seems to me to lie... By the way, this guy's punctuation is fucking awful. Read a book, go back to school. Um, Lie more on the Porter end. Dash, medium body, low alcohol, slightly sweet. I, I forgot to give I forgot to give the, the rating, but it was yeah. yeah anyway. I, I'm sure it was real high. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that was from Aussie Lizard. <laughs> okay. Uh, and that was in February uh, 9th of 2017, a year after the last time we bottled that beer. Huh. <clears throat> Here's another stout. A thin stout. A lot about the smell and taste are good. <laughs> oh, Not company. great, but good. <laughs> This is probably much better on tap than from an old bottle. <laughs> Three out of five. Hey, they were giving you the benefit of the doubt. This, this fucking Hyundai I found in the ditch was probably a lot better when it was a new fucking car. Really? You, re- you really think so? St- did you have to pick on the stout today? No, no, there's a lot more. Don't worry oh, about it. This is... There's we four have, pages. We have four pages. You don't have to read them all, but... I'm uh, going to cry myself to sleep tonight. No. Stout, like a sweeter Guinness. Meh. Three out of five. <laughs> now, would you rate a beer you've described as meh? meh. Three yeah. out of five? <sighs> Flat Tail IPA. July 22nd, 2011. Dear Diary. <laughs> Smell is modest. This one is lacking hops for my taste and the local style. A little earthy and some bread. Taste is also a little weak on the hops, although they're, although T-H-E-R-E, more than T-H-E-N, the nose, although they're more than the nose. Huh. Mostly earthy, some bitterness. The hops are some citrus and resin, mostly upfront and quickly fleeting. Mostly. That's what fleeting means. <laughs> With a little sweet lime lingering on the bitter finish. Drinkability is okay. It's a really generic IPA. And while there all are no flaws in execution, except for all that shit you just said, right. I revisit the design. 3.2 out of 5. <laughs> no flaws. 3.2. No flaws. No flaws. But and, you should probably go back to the fucking right, drawing. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And he, he decides to comment on the local style. 
That was my favorite part yeah, about that. Your beer review. wasn't a local style. Yeah. Okay, this one is like the biggest the, it, run it's, on sentence. Yeah, it time. starts there. Like oh. at the bottom, like that's the sh- No, it, it says posted by Stoned Trippin, June eleventh, twenty sixteen. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought it was the uh, no, it's for the Kolsch, yeah. Yep. Yeah, uh-huh. Okay. Sometimes it's nice to have something clean and sessionable in the land of insane beer, and I think this serves that rather adequately, although it's definitely not my favorite example of the style. <laughs> Clean and clear, bright and light, and really pretty sessionable. A good compliment to heavy food. Saucy, fried, spicy, and the like. It's a little flat, though. Needs more carbonation. And very little about the grain base, says German. Was this after Jamil's show? Is this, Is this, this Jamil's review? Posted? This might be Jamil. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's too tripping. light there. Maybe a little too sweet and sort of corny. Not dusty and dry and cereal forward like I like it to be in this style. Dusty. Oh, you like you dusty. like off layer. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'll, I'll stick yeah. that in my fucking closet for a few months first and you can try it again. But it's easy enough drinking even despite all that. And when ice cold is actually a very refreshing brew. It looks like the other stuff these guys do is a little more robust, but this is a perfectly drinkable and unoffensive blonde ale. Even though it wasn't in the last sentence. Not as good as a Kolsch to me, but that's a fine point of debate, I suppose. It sounds like he couldn't yeah. decide what he thought. That was the most bipolar thing. Uh-huh. Yeah. What was his score? Love it. I hate it. Well, it just it, this lists the average score. Oh, not, not man, that I fucked rating. that up. Fucked right. that up. I, was, I, I that think up. I remember that being a two-star. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I like how uh, it was a, an excellent style, and then it lists yeah. all of the good parts, mm-hmm. but also refers to it as adequate. Mm-hmm. Most of these are from like the early days when I actually read these and got really angry about each and every one before I died on the inside and became a much happier <laughs> person. Mm. Tailgater Kolsch on tap at Pre-Funk Nampa. Slightly hazy, light golden orange. Thin, wispy white head, light pale, soft malts, a little cereal, and light fruity yeast flavors. Expected a lighter, clean, dry body. Tasty. Two out of five. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it was tasty. Literally the last thing you said. It was he good. Said light four times. Then says expected a lighter <laughs> beer. <laughs> How do I make you happy? Uh, they wanted, they wanted to say like yeah, five God. times. Yeah. Kolsch. Yeah. No head. Pale yellow color. Good refreshing Kolsch. Two. <laughs> Classic. Kolsch. Good and clean. Nothing special. Four. <laughs> hey. Just the la- those two last reviews should get together and fight. Uh, yeah. <laughs> to the death. Yeah. Uh, this was for our Young People Suck double IPA. It was a typical strong IPA. Chandra liked the Fort George better, and I liked the Fort George price better. <laughs> Two. <laughs> Wait, did they Fuck they reference somebody by name Sorry, in there? Is Fort George another yes, brewery? Chandra. What is, <laughs> what is hey, Fort man, George? Chandra's got her shit together. They make killer beer. They're out it's of uh, Astoria. Yeah, independent. That's, that's the review. This person's review is literally uh-huh. reviewing somebody else's opinion mm-hmm. on the beer. Yeah. And yeah, then yeah. and then refer to that person by name. Mm-hmm. Hey, everybody knows Chandra. <laughs> uh, pulp action by Steve O. J. Grunt fill from Albertsons. I don't know what that I means. Grunt I don't know what fill. grunt is. Oh, I gotta get this. Pale like golden pour. Small cap of tight white head. Faint weak aroma. Malts grains. Not getting much out of the aroma or the taste. Weak. Not even hazy. <laughs> 
Not sure what they were going for, but they missed. <laughs> I don't know what they were going for, but I know they didn't hit it. Not even hazy. I'm so sorry my not hazy IPA was not hazy. Damn wild peaches and cream. A beer that has 400 pounds of peaches in every 30-barrel batch. It was all right, but it didn't really have much of a peaches or a cream flavor. Two. <laughs> cream flavor. I'll give you my fucking cream. <laughs> I knew that that was going to somehow degrade into that. So do you think you could fit a couple hundred more pounds of peaches? I, I literally don't. <laughs> I cannot fit more peaches in the tank. Maybe uh, Stony J176969 can come help me pack them in. <laughs> Laser Gator 420. <laughs> Pink lemonade. I don't know. I think. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think it's a that. decent sour. Not too unusual, but pretty much what I expected. <laughs> it didn't have the synthetic pink lemonade sting, which I'm happy about. Three. <laughs> How do you start a beer review I with, I don't know? How do you do that? I don't know, but it's what I expected. <laughs> right, exactly, yeah. I expected to have no fucking clue what I was talking about while I wrote didn't this review. It, it's not unusual. Not unusual, yeah. but pretty much what I expected. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's a person who goes, where do you want to go to eat? I don't know, whatever you want to go. Well, let's do here. No, I don't want to do that. Damn wild pink lemonade. Wild indeed. Not bad if you like sours. <laughs> Three. <laughs> Good review. That's, That's going to help a lot of people figure that one out. God damn it. This is a review of our 100% corn double IPA, Amazeballs. Not an especially good tasting beer, but definitely interesting. So much corn in the smell. Taste is not really like beer. Lots of corn. Sweet taste and no alcohol taste. It's 11%. Hat on tap at Imperial Bottle Shop. 2.5. I'm sorry my 100% corn beer tasted like corn. I know it was pretty... Is there any way he could have known that? Or they could have known that? Flat tail bulletproof zest. It's literally just T's. It's yeah. just T's. Oh, that wasn't you It's stuttering. just the letter T over and over again. Rated via Beer Buddy for iPhone. 3.5. <laughs> It is. It's like 25 T's. And then that's it. <laughs> it's a good review. Uh, this is a review for our um, GABF bronze metal breath beer. Damn wild Marionberry. These sour-ish beers are growing in my. It does have a nice fruity aftertaste, exclamation point. Three stars. <laughs> they're growing in, they're in growing there. In my. They're growing in my. Yeah. Uh, they're growing in my too. God, that should be. That's a good name for a beer. Growing in my. There you go. Cyanide and hoppiness. Uh, it was a collaboration we did with Cyanide and Happiness. No, we didn't steal their logo. Please stop emailing them, telling them to sue us. <laughs> it's been three years. It's getting really old. They're emailing you, telling the no, other. No, they email them this comic strip, oh, okay. telling them like, "Hey, did you know these guys are stealing your logo on this bottle of beer that says a collab." Collaboration between you guys and this brewer. <laughs> yeah. Carbonation looks fresh, despite <laughs> sediment in bottle. Carbonation. That's some fresh carbonation. Because that all makes sense. 
Floral, <laughs> citrus, apricot. Sweet, fruity liqueur notes. Might be an old beer. Herbal, nectarine. Three. <laughs> might be an old beer, yeah, but I'm going to go ahead and rate it. The beer didn't, might be old, but the carbonation's it's not. It's fresh. <laughs> yeah. didn't see the date on that, but that's another beer and we also, haven't bottled in three years. When did just shouting out what you taste become a review? <laughs> apricot. <laughs> <laughs> Herbs. I just like that the carbonation looked fresh. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Hey, man. Carbonation looks stale when a beer gets old. Everyone knows that. <laughs> well, that was disheartening. Oh, Dave. <laughs> reviews are great. I will say, to be honest, I, I had a, a hard time finding <laughs> these reviews. It took me like an hour to like put all these together. Well, so you actually have some moderate. pretty good reviews out there, dude. Didn't see any in that list. No. Except for the, the, well, that's not the, the point. It wouldn't right. be funny if it was like, this is the best awesome. stout I've ever had in my life. If I could rate it 12 stars, I would. Two stars. <laughs> you want to keep these? Nope. You don't? Sure? Yeah, they're all yours, buddy. Oh. All right. I'll throw them away. Surprised we're not framing them. Um, there are framed copies if you'd like those. I do have a, a question from the chat. Oh, question. You want to bring this back down? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, <laughs> I rarely stay up that long. <laughs> Are there any quote distributors that own that own that they are simply logistics that don't have real sales force but connections with cold storage warehouses throughout the US and the licensing to move beer where it needs to go? So a brewery in Oregon could get beer to an account outside of what makes sense for itself distribution territory but doesn't take thirty percent. Well, here's the problem. Does that make I sense mean, to you? Yeah, I, I get what he's asking. Um, and I think you, you can add a little bit to that and make it feasible uh you can't just ship beer to a warehouse because it has to get somewhere um and you can't expect people to buy beer if you don't have someone in the market so having a warehouse where brewers ship beer and then people just drop it off doesn't work because no one's gonna buy it um in in the current climate i mean we we have almost 300 breweries in oregon and we have the population of sacramento so wow yeah Three the whole million, state is three just million the population people, of Sacramento. Three million people in the entire state of Oregon. That's, I believe, Sacramento County. Has, wow. Eh, somewhere close to that. Anyway. I'm going to Google that to make sure. Google that shit. I would have um, guessed the greater Portland area would have had Portland has 600,000. Huh. Uh, according That's to the Winterwebs, you have 4.143 million. Wow. You are oh, way off. Uh, only mm-hmm. off by a million. Come on. <laughs> small, small numbers. Anyway, um, one thing that has been thrown around is uh, a brewer's cooperative of, of sorts, um, wherein breweries have joint warehousing and share sales staff and delivery staff. Um, and Sacramento County has one and a half million. Really? Was it? Okay. Fucking wow. liar. San Francisco, maybe? How about that one? Maybe I got my <laughs> county. One, one of the cities in California. Just keep going yeah. until I'm right. That's what you're here for, right? <laughs> <laughs> the San Francisco Bay Area has seven million people. There we go. So we have about half yeah, that's, the that's population of San Francisco. <laughs> like I said. Like Bay, I said. Bay Area. Hey, this shit's fake news. All right. Um, Anyway, yeah, a, a brewer's cooperative is something we've talked about. But it, it, you can't just have a warehouse. You have to have people to drop off the beer. And you can't just have people dropping off the beer. You have to have people to sell it. So hmm. whether that's self-distribution or a distributor, it kind of has to be one of those two until someone comes up with something better. Here, here. All right, Dave, good job. I think you did great. And uh, one of us. 
Sorry for making fun of you through the whole show, but uh, hey, it was worth it. You know, I enjoyed it too. <laughs> All right. I enjoy these moments we have together. <laughs> Few mm. and far between. Um, Warren. <clears throat> yes. Let's do the Twitter game, please. Okay. And then we can leave. Oh, great. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, Highway to Hell. <clears throat> oh, well, okay, oh, right. let's do the Twitter game. No, let's do let's Highway do to Health. Go ahead. First. Go ahead. Let's do Highway to Health, whatever that is. So, things that don't make me want to blow my brains out. Um, I do a charity every year, and as you guys can probably guess, it's a motorcycle ride. Mm. So basically, the gist of the whole Highway to Health program is that I ride 1,000 miles in a day, Corvallis to San Diego, and I collect per-mile pledges. Right. Uh, that can be 10 cents a mile, that can be 50 cents a mile, or the biggest donor both years has been a dollar a mile, uh, which obviously works out to about 1000 bucks. And uh, this is the second year doing the charity, and we had just an absolutely blowout success. Um, it was a tough year to be organizing this on the side, if you listen to any other part of the show. <laughs> but we still managed, uh, managed to raise $10,300, 100% of which goes directly to the National Brain Tumor Society. Wow. Nice. Uh, we That's raised, great. Yeah, we raised 8000 last year, 10300 this year. Our goal is going to be 15000 next year, and the ultimate goal is to hit 25000 a year by year five um so you know this isn't just spare change this is paying part of someone's salary to work every day to find a cure for brain tumors um brain cancer is one of the most misunderstood and under-researched forms of cancer in the world but it's also frighteningly enough the single fastest growing cancer diagnosis there is um so this is something that you know i is really kind of close to me um a lot of you have probably read the Brew Public blog. Angelo, the founder of the Brew Public uh, blog, was diagnosed with a glioblastoma tumor. Um, I believe it was almost five years ago now. And he's been battling this in his daily life constantly since then. You know, this isn't something that just happens and you kind of go, okay, I guess I'm going to live with this. You know, this poor guy is having seizures on a daily basis and he still finds the time to fight, to raise money, and research for this cause. So that's what got me into it originally. And then, um, unfortunately, I realized that I, I had several close friends from high school, several people in the community, um, new friends that I've made that also have been diagnosed with brain tumors. Um, I'm sure most people out there are no more than one or two degrees of separation away from someone suffering from this affliction. So the biggest thing about all of this is the people pitching in money, um, obviously. So I, I want to take a moment to thank our sponsors. Uh, we had a ton of people that came back from last year. We also had a lot of new donors. Uh, James Rice from Rice Waterfowl Guides. If you want to go duck hunting, goose hunting, etc., and you're in the Corvallis area, this guy does a killer job. Um, it's on a family literally. Farm. <laughs> yes, okay. quite literally. Right. Um, Block 15 Brewing. Right uh, down the block from us. Oh, I heard they're in yep. Corvallis. They're they, they huge are. in Corvallis. Uh -huh. Everyone make, loves them in Corvallis. Yeah, their tap rating is off the charts. Every bar in Corvallis has Block 15 on. Did you, you know? guys are killing my mojo <laughs> right now. Killing me. Thank you, Nick. They open after Fuck you, these right? guys. Um, block 15 donated 50 cents a mile, which was over $500. And that was a huge help. They were That's one of our good. biggest donors this year. I wish nice. everyone could see me flipping JP off right now. No, they don't have to. You told uh, them. They the can. Water Street Market. <laughs> they did. Home of several businesses, DiMaggio's Pizza, Taco Vino. Uh, thank you, Steve Good Weiler. place, Taco Vino. Indeed it is. You took they, me there on a date. They uh, are a second year donor. Last year, they donated $1,000, and they were our biggest donor. They pitched another 250 this year. Thanks so much to the Water wow. Street Market. That's great. 
Uh, Two Town Cider House, uh, another back-to-back $500 donation. Thanks so much, Lee and Dave and Aaron and everyone in the Two Towns family. These guys support the local community so much, and supporting their cider in hand supports that. Roscoe's, uh, one of our favorite bars up in Portland. Uh, It is the best place in the world to get fried catfish. No. Yeah, and Hmm. Creole-style food. Awesome beer list. Great. uh, Guess where we're going. There you go. Exactly. And it's it's like the epitome of dive bar in a good way. All right. Right up your alley. It is one of my favorite bars in Portland. Cold Fire Brewing. uh, I I would say hands down the best new brewery in Oregon probably in the past three years. Uh, They make clean, approachable, standard beers. They also make Hazy IPA, but, you know, you do what you got to (laughs) do. Thanks to Dan and Steven. Uh, That really means a lot coming back again um, and another $250 donation. YCH, Yakima Chief Hop Union, donated a dollar per mile. This was our top donor this year. Thank you so much. We've been buying hops from YCH for our entire existence. I also purchased hops from YCH when I was at uh, Fire Mountain, Oregon Trail. Um, they've been around forever, and thank you so much for that $1,000 donation. Sky High Brewing, another local brewery, $0.30 cents per mile, just over 300 bucks. Uh, these guys were used to be the new kids on the block. They've been around for quite a while. They've got a killer rooftop. Uh, so head down there at sunset, grab a cocktail or a house-brewed beer. It will not disappoint. Yahats Brewing uh, over in Yahats, Oregon. One of the most beautiful settings ever. The brewery is literally carved into the side of a freaking mountain. Um, they have kimchi, lots of natural ferments around, so you can really hippie nerd it out over there. That sounds very Oregon. It is. Yeah. It is Oregon as fuck. Uh, Culmination Brewing up in Portland. First time donor. Thank you, Conrad and the Culmination team. Uh, these guys are quickly becoming really, really big. Hazy IPA, IPA in general, and uh, they make killer beer. Nectar Creek Honey Wine. Thank you so much, Phil, Lorenz, Mida. Corvallis Homebrew Supply, another big $250 uh, donor from last year oh, as well. Look at Joel donating Joel, some money. Exactly. And JP likes Joel, though. So, I do. I mean, that's that's a bummer. Yeah. But uh, if you want to get homebrew or also an excellent selection of wine, port, and now beer on tap, uh, Joel is the, the literally the best guy to guide you to whatever beverage you want in the world, end of story, period. He also cut a champagne bottle in half with a kitchen knife at my wedding. That's a fun story. Uh, Premier Stainless, 500 bucks. Thanks so much. We use their keg washer. It is the keg washer to use if you have a small brewery and you're looking at automating your keg washing process. Go with Premier. California Craft Distributors, thanks again. They distribute us throughout the entire state in California. So if you want to get some flat tail beer, please call CCD. They also have a ton of other great brands like Cascade, Paradox, uh, lots of good sour, funky beers. Bailey's, one of the most uh, popular tap rooms, and actually the first tap room we ever sold a keg to back when it was Bailey's Tap Room and Chocolate. <laughs> Not a lot of people remember that one. Probably a good decision to drop the chocolate. Uh, I don't need to tell anyone how amazing Bailey's is because it's been on every top 10 bars in the nation list there's basically ever been. Uh, fantastic guys. Go drink beer at Bailey's. Foundation Engineering. If you need your foundation engineered, please visit Foundation Engineering. <laughs> <laughs> the name describes what they do. <laughs> I love it. Very wide spectrum of engineering services that they provide. Bill, the owner and one of our bar regulars, has supported us as a brand since day one. Thanks so much, Bill, and thanks, Foundation Engineering. He's engineered your foundation. 
Well, thankfully he didn't, because I would not be recommending him as much if he did. No, I mean the because uh, the, they're supporting your brand. It's a fa- oh, that was a, that a foundation was a, joke. Yeah, a little wordplay, yeah. right? Yeah. A different kind of foundation. Yeah. My bedtime. I mean, it's yeah, not it's not something as good as bulletproof zest, but you know, it, it's it's still Goddamn good right enough. Yeah. <laughs> Our next donor needs no introduction. Thank you, Roger from Faction. Oh, $500. Nice. Both years. Roger has been one of our biggest donors since we started this. Uh, When I first told him about the whole program, I'm pretty sure his response was, didn't read it. Yes, 500 bucks. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That sounds very Roger. Roger's a killer dude. And if you haven't had faction beer yet, then you're an idiot. Go over to Alameda. Try some faction beer at the brewery. You can see the entire uh, cityscape of San Francisco across the water, or no, excuse me, it's Sacramento that you can see from Alameda. <laughs> right, yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, Russia and, from uh, from mm-hmm, their balcony. Precisely. And, and maybe even Roger's ass. <laughs> Only if you're lucky. Uh, Stallbush Island Farms joined us this year. Uh, they are a fantastic supplier of fruit. I believe they only ship inside the state right now, but they have both aseptic bag-in-a-box purees and also flash-frozen um, local fruit and bulk Fresh fruit. Uh, we get all of the above from them. We've never had a quality issue. They are fantastically consistent, and they're about a five-minute drive away from the brewery. So if you're brewing fruit beer in Corvallis, Portland, or Eugene, check out Stallbush Island Farms. Uh, Belmont Station, another one of the most iconic bars in the state. Thanks again, Lisa. Um, we've been selling beer at Belmont Station since I was driving up in an 87 blue F-250. Uh, these guys have been with us since day one, and they're still helping us out. Sounds like you're back doing the same thing. So that's great it is for a you. silver F-250. Oh, sorry. Shit. Do you still have the correct. big cloud of black smoke? <clears throat> it is, in fact, that same truck. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's environmentally conscious black smoke. Oh, okay. Uh, Melvin Bruin came in at the last moment and uh, unsolicited gave us 500 bucks. Thanks for finding out about the charity and thanks for helping out, guys. Uh, Melvin Beer is obviously available in Oregon and also in Wyoming, Wyoming, where (laughs) Melvin is from. Um, These guys have been winning awards for IPAs since back in the days when they were still tying me up and uh, great Thai food at the original location. Check them out. Cascade Floors, there are very few breweries uh, in Oregon that don't have a floor from Cascade. We have one. It's held up fantastically, and uh, they're also doing floors in all sorts of different food service applications. So check out uh, Cascade Floors, another family-owned business also. Loma's Uh, Floors from them also. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really happy with it. Fantastic. Another glowing review. (laughs) Two Uh, stars. (laughs) Best floor. Best right. floor. Uh, Tiny Smart House is uh, a new company for, with us this year. They also did a $500 donation. And these guys build uh, tiny homes. And they've been featured on a bunch of shows. They have really high quality, both trailer-mounted tiny homes and also traditional foundation tiny homes. So if you're looking to either downsize your footprint or if you want to keep your mother-in-law as far away <laughs> from your actual house as possible... Stick one of these guys way in the back 40. You will not regret it. Uh, You can have plumbing, electricity, stoves, locks on the outside of the doors, whatever you need. Uh, Tiny smart house. Check them out. Or if you're a midget. Absolutely. Yeah. Then, then, it's it, then it's a mansion, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That should that they should rebrand midgetmansions.com. 
I feel like that might not be best for their image, but I will pass that suggestion along. How about dwarf domiciles? I don't think it's getting better. If you're if you're wondering if it's getting better or worse, I would tip this in favor of how about Peter Dinklage signature. Yeah. How about little Moving person? On. How about uh, little person thank living? You. Thank you to Ninkasi Brewing. Uh, Ninkasi has been making fantastic hop forward hills and lagers since day one. And they are not culturally offensive in any way. Uh, Jamie has been a, a brewing inspiration to me since I was illegally drinking beer at one of his former pubs when I was 16. Uh, thank you so much, Jamie. <laughs> Seriously, this guy has inspired so many people in the brewing industry. It's ridiculous. And thank you, Nikos, for not shutting up in the face of Pete Coors and telling it like it is. You guys are good for the industry. G4 Kegs, formerly Gopher Kegs. <clears throat> supplying awesome kegs. Uh, they're some of the cheapest in the market, but they're always built with micromatic stems, so the guts matter. And if you want a keg that's not going to break down and it's not going to show up rusty, get one from G4 Kegs. Are we uh We have done? our last sponsor. Nice. <clears throat> Other than my dad. Thanks, Hobes. Um, our last official sponsor is Hanson's Motorcycle in uh, Phoenix, Oregon, just outside of Medford. If you want to buy a BMW, go to these guys. Uh, they literally have been rated the best dealer on the West Coast so many times, I don't think they give the award out anymore. It's family-owned. You can see six generations of Hansons sitting in the showroom when you go in. They're not going to push a bike on you. They're going to find a bike that fits you, and they're going to let you convince yourself. They sell fantastic motorcycles, and they have the best support period of any dealer. So thank you so much to all of our sponsors. Um, if you want to contribute, we will continue fundraising through the summer, including a Highway to Health Brew Fest that we will be working on for Corvallis Beer Week. Uh, check out the braintumorcommunity.org. Look for Team Brew Public, and you can go ahead and click on my link, Dave Marliov or Highway to Health, and you can uh, click the Donate Now button. Or shoot me an email at highwaytohealthfundraiser at gmail.com if you'd like to pitch in or if you'd like info on how to help next year. Thanks. Uh, we're a sponsor, right? That's why you were coming on to do this? You are a sponsor for, yet. Yeah, thank you to the <coughs> Brewing Network. Wow. <laughs> so much. Well, you know, well, you almost forgot out, to thank man. us. Wow. Uh, and the Brewing Network did not actually donate money, but they did something much more important, which was letting me thank all of my sponsors because <laughs> we have to, uh, you know, we got to give these guys something back. And that's uh, true. Yeah. Th this is, believe it or not, actually also good for the brewing industry. And I'm not the only person that has uh, been inspired by the Brewing Network from the moment Mitch Steele shot me down on the air and crushed my dreams and turned me into the person that I am now. <laughs> it's his fault. Uh, I've been learning from the Brewing Network. I still listen. What did um, Mitch do to you? What happened? Oh, this is, this is a fun one. If you go back, I think it's the first ever Stone show. I had just gotten my first pro brewing gig, which is a term I use loosely, no mm -hmm. offense, Dave, um, in Corvallis. And I basically called in and said, like, hey, I'm this super young, passionate brewer. I'm going to brewing school. I got a pro job. Like, what what do I have to do to be an attractive hire to a brewery like Stone? Mm -hmm. And he basically bitched about how everyone else asked him for jobs. And I think you guys laughed at me and then hung up. <laughs> <laughs> God, we should find that because Mitch is coming on. Oh, okay. amazing. Yeah. Um, in a couple weeks, here? right? And yeah, June sometime. Um... Oh, is that the one that said hold JP? June 4th. Yeah, that new brewery. New Realm Brewing. That green flash equipment. Which, yeah. by the way, I speaking of people stealing beer, um, 
Mitch had posted something on Facebook, and I was like, hey, dude, I would love, when are you going to get your beer out to California? Because I'm dying with all these warm fermented lagers and these IPAs. And he goes, oh, this is during the craft brewers conference. He goes, oh, I'll give some beer to uh, to Mike McDole for you uh, to, to, to bring back to you. And oh, I said, oh, nice. that'd be really great, man. He's Guess what? Giving him to Scott. Guess what didn't happen? Uh... Mike McDole did not bring any beers back to me. <laughs> Mike McDole did not bring any beers back to me. Well, so. maybe he still has them because now he's in France, right? I don't know. Maybe when he comes back again, he'll maybe. get them. Parley yeah. Tasty? What's he doing over there? Who knows? Um, okay, let's do one live read. We got the Twitter game and yeah. we're gone. And then we're gone. Adam and Eve is determined to help you spice things up in the bedroom, and they're backing up that promise. Uh, check it out. Go to adamandeve.com. You'll get 50% off almost any item when you enter offer code BNARMY at checkout, and then you get the free Big O kit for a limited time only. Of course, everything good comes limitedly. <laughs> uh, Climax gel. You get a mini vibrator. Um, you can choose an adult toy, not a movie, or almost anything else. You get that one item at 50% off. You get free shipping plus that O kit. Uh, use code BNARMY at checkout. That's B-N-A-R-M-Y at adamandeve.com. Warren, Twitter game, please. Let's go for it now. Yes. Um, so the question was, uh, since Dave needs all the luck he can get, yes. even though we're, we're apparently having Thai food, which is Close to China, right? It's, Do we get fortune cookies with Thai well, food? It might as well be Chinese food. Okay. Yeah, let's just call it Chinese food. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, uh, I'm drinking Chinese iced tea right now. We're, I was asking I name for... this the culturally ins- insensitive <laughs> show. Before I was rudely interrupted, um, <laughs> I was mentioning that uh, I wanted suggestions for uh, what we would find in Dave's uh, fortune cookie. Yes. And you whittled them down. I whittled them down. I've got four here. Reviews. Okay. Let's uh, go. Let's go for it. <laughs> Let's see. Um, Jeff the Rev Seven Four Post says, "This is like the the uh, the the run pattern he ran in high school when he scored the team's touchdown." I guess. Maybe. Yeah. yeah he was known as the Rev. Um, when in anger, sing the alphabet backwards. Apparently. Uh, then he says, learn Chinese, put some Chinese characters, then says beer, and your lucky numbers, write this down, six and nine. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Solid something in there. You he whittled it. that? Uh, yeah. I, it was mainly for the six nine. You, I thought that was the a, only redeeming You were a Boy Scout, were you? <laughs> Whittling? Joke? Any, anybody? No? Okay. No, I, I, I got it. I remember the Boy Scouts. They don't exist anymore, right? Oh, no, they, they don't. Um, it's scouting BSA. The Scouts? Uh, let's see. Which is fine. I don't care. It's fine. Oh, uh, Lloyd has uh, a good one here. Uh, calling in eliminates having to ride 550 miles on a motorcycle to air the, to air the BN stink out of your clothes. <laughs> okay. A um, little life advice. Calling in's for quitters. <laughs> uh, then we've got, uh, Jeff Angel. Says, Jeff Angel. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff Angel. Angel. Uh, never give up. Unless defeat arouses the girl behind the bar. <laughs> okay. So if she's hot, I guess, then then give, give up. up. <laughs> Apparently my wife is attracted to defeat. I mean, at this point, that's just all that makes sense. Yeah. You're not wrong. <laughs> uh, they hurt most when they come from people. <laughs> Sorry. Says the woman married to Sam. <laughs> oh, that's true. Burn. Zing. Don't worry, I got you, Dave. <laughs> you my boo. 
<laughs> uh, then last we have Max, who says, man who comes out with glitter beer is trying to cover up future strip club visit with wife. <laughs> That's not bad. That's yeah. my favorite. Yeah, that or that other one that didn't totally suck. Yeah. Um, which one was that? Yeah, which one Never was give that? Up. The, the Never give up or not driving 550 miles. Or the 6-9. Or, yeah. Not the yeah, first one. Yeah. Yeah. You which want to call it glitter? The glitter one? I'm, I'm fine with glitter. Max! Max, there you Woo! go. Good job, buddy. I'm the only one who cares, so that's fine. Well, but you cared a lot. And loud Max lives in Oregon. I'll buy him some beers and give him a tour. <laughs> email me. I'll okay. give you my address, though. It'll be a good tour. <laughs> Find me. Dave's email address, then send him an email. <laughs> Do all of the things but for first, David. You must answer these riddles three. Right. <laughs> uh, okay, we're going to get out of here. Dave, thank you very much for driving all the way down here for literally no reason. You're um, not other than, welcome. Other than you wanted to. <laughs> and I think that's great. And I think he writes off all these motorcycle trips. I think that's why he does it. You have to make money to pay taxes, so... True. <laughs> oh, Actually, not that. true. I can show well, you my taxes. <laughs> right. To pay yeah, I've been doing it for years. A lot of taxes. Yes. We pay yes, taxes. That's correct. Um, all right. All thanks, everybody, taxes. for tuning in. And uh, here, before I go, I should tell you, do we have a show next week, Beverly? We do. We have Peter Hoey from... Oh, from uh, Urban, Urban Roots. Yeah, they just had their opening last weekend. I, I want to get out I want to get out there. Ask him to bring some barbecue, please, because uh, they do barbecue now. Oh, yeah. I'll get right off. <laughs> wow. Huh. She hung up on herself. What a good show this is. <laughs> this has been great. God, Everything, I hate you. God damn it. So happy to out. be disappointed, you all. <laughs> is it next week yet? <laughs> all right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in, and we will see you next week. Peace. Justin's in my sky and winning the race. JP does great as his chair.